Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. of a time, those of you who are economists, who are who teach here uh, economics, can you think of any time when the middle class did better, the wealthy didn't do really well? I'm not being a facetious now. I'm, not, I'm being deadly earnest. Can you think of any time that's occurred when the middle class does better? I'm tired of trickle down. I come from the corporate state of America. President, what do you think of the Republicans from Fox News changing their tune on the vaccine? Well, I, rather than be critical of it, I thank them for it. I think it's a matter of, uh, first of all, in truth, I don't know how many of them believe what they were saying. They may have really believed it. That's the fun in the police. And have are that. there people who, in the Democratic Party, who Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids? I'm being pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said, if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. All kidding aside, I think it really is a matter of people deciding now that they have opportunities to do other things and there is a shortage of employees, people are looking to make more money and, and to bargain. And so I think your business and the tourist business is really going to be in a, in a bind for a little while. That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. And the question is whether or not, but folks, um, the rest of the world's wondering about us. Those of you who travel abroad, not a joke. Not a joke. You asked, you know, when I went to this G7, all the major democracies, I walked in, and I know a lot of them because of my role in the past. And they walk in, and I said, America's back. And they go, I'm serious, heads of state. I give you my word as a Biden. I said, are you really back? Um, so gun violence has been on the rise across the country, and as a recent student and young professional living in Over the Rhine, I've seen this firsthand. Um, gun violence has taken the lives of so many young students and young people. I'm tired, and I want to see change that's going to make our cities like Cincinnati safer. So how will you address gun violence from a federal point of view to actually bring about change and make our local cities safer? Now, I'm not being a wise guy. There's no reason you should. Have you seen my gun violence legislation I've introduced? As you know, because you're so involved, actually crime is down. 
This administration has long claimed that you're trying to do most transparent history. If that's the case, why won't you just release the number of breakthrough cases that you've had of vaccinated staffers? Well, I think first we're in a very different place than we were six to seven months ago as it relates to the virus. Uh, and as many medical experts have said, inside and outside of the government, uh, those who are vaccinated are protected from serious illness. Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated who get the virus. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are in a different place uh, in terms of the impact of individuals who may have, as you said, breakthrough cases. Just provide the number. Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the? Why do you need to have that information? Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated who get the virus, uh, and uh, you know we are in a different place uh, in terms of the impact of individuals who may have, as you said, breakthrough cases. But why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the? Why do you need to have that information? Go ahead. Jen, last night at the CNN town hall, the president was asked by an, a restaurateur about the worker shortage that the Commerce Secretary just called acute. She described it as a skills gap, uh, but the, the restaurateur said that he had, right now, job openings that he can't fill. And he asked the president if there's anything that his administration can do to help him and his business. The president seemed to struggle with an answer. Is there anything that his administration can do to help that restaurateur or people who are similarly situated with this acute worker shortage? Well, first, I, I would say that we have already implemented and the money has gone out the door, is continuous to go out the door for our restaurant restabilization program. I think it's important that we all stand out here collectively, that we're all here together uh, for a number of different reasons. Excuse me, let me take these off the lenses transition. But what happened out here last night? Now, I was out here last night. Some of you live here. Some of you may have just been out here uh, having dinner or whatever, but that was unacceptable. It's unacceptable in any community. The reality is we have situations that happen like this in our city, all across our city, and it's been happening for a long time. Last year, we had over 922 people shot in our city. Last year. 198 people murdered in our city last year. This should be shocking to the conscience of every person in our city. I don't care where you live. It's got the attention that it's got now because it's happened where it happened, because we had an incident at the National Statement. But this issue, this issue that's crossing our city, there are too many guns in our city, in Washington, D.C. Last night, before that shooting had happened, the officers, our officers assigned here in the 3rd District, they recovered a firearm off an individual down here at 11th and S, Vermont. Right before that, a firearm right up here, 14th and Irving Street after the sounds of gunshots, right up there. When this shooting happened, officers, within five seconds of the shooting where it happened, that's unacceptable. It speaks to the brazenness of the criminals that are in these communities that we're dealing with. Some of them are our neighbors, some are, and we have to really figure out what do we want to do as a city in terms of how we respond to this. We can take the political route and talk, you know, all going on from so many different directions. Some people are just misguided. Most people who you dislike are just kind of wrong. They don't know. But some people are more than wrong. 
there's a sinister quality to a lot of the conversations that we're hearing, a lot of the claims that are being made to. How do you know who's sinister and who's not? Well, the ones who won't allow legitimate questions, who attack you for asking honest questions about how things work, why we're doing it this way. If people shout at you for asking questions, you know a lot about their motives. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 25th of July, year of our Lord, 2021. I know that's a huge intro, but I wanted to be able to stream through articles and show the crazy things Biden's sucking blood and the lies and we don't care about small business and Pisaki bringing truth and facts and science and lying and Falky lying and shooting and Acosta and Tucker Carlson nailing on the backside. Going to be a quick podcast today. This is my second to last night of freedom. Because come Tuesday, I'm back on the road. I got to go to a store and start training. And I start being a working man again. Going to manage a store. Pretty excited about it. Good salary. Way more than I thought I was going to get. So we're going to have a little less podcast. I'm going to bring the kit, this, and the, the cam with me. And try to do on Wednesday out of the hotel or Thursday if I work late. Do a short podcast. Which, for those who are new to the show, oh, the joys of a non-acoustic, echoey hotel room with the AC blaring in the background. I, I Like Matt in Oregon and Tom in Tucson, if you still listen. These people remember those days. It wasn't pretty, but it was a lot of fun because I have nothing to do. You know, I do the quick call to mom. Hey, how you doing? And then I podcast and go to bed and get up and rinse and repeat because I wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and stores don't open till 9. So there's not a whole lot I can do. So I'm going to try to get one this week. And then I'm back to host station. So, you know, we're going to look for a Wednesday short one, which would be uh, July 28th and uh, August 1st. We'll do back in home station set up here. Full-fledged. So um, let, let's just get on into it. I love this new background i got kind of dig that and i kind of watch the show i like it better like this less me let's think about uh imagine if trump said this totally normal response to journalists sucking blood response to that not to sound surprised but this was a quick-witted and spot on anybody that keeps on only casual in american politics understand the joke the extreme sides of each party are not equally benign so it was a fair retort that's what people said but if donald trump said it Oh, no, no. Then this gem, once again, would this be okay? Melania goes to the Olympics. None of this is okay. I just want you to understand they're acting like it's okay, but it's not okay. It's the vice president goes. Not the first lady. This is not proper. But NPR, oh, this is okay. Matthew Koken, as you can see on this, can someone please explain to me why Jill Biden is considered a U.S. official? We did not elect Jill Biden. We didn't. We just, we just didn't. I just want everybody to understand that. She's not a real doctor. She's a real doctor. Then I'm a millionaire. Oh, good thing though. I am going to get a classic car. We'll have that on the show, hopefully. Everything's look if everything goes okay and after the first six months of working, getting rid of the Jeep, I'm getting a classic car. More to follow on that on a, another podcast. I meant to say that. I had a picture, but I forgot to bring it down here. I'm looking at a fifty-six Chrysler Windsor. 
Oh, that thing's so freaking gorgeous. Such a gorgeous call. Um, then, you know, it, it hits home finally. Finally, we have these people that have been laughing at everything and saying nothing's real. Yeah, Jim Acosta finally saw some violence. Like fireworks. Senator Jim Acosta joins us now. Uh, Jim, you just, I guess, happened to, to be there. And what did you see? What did you hear? Yeah, Anderson, I was having dinner uh, at a restaurant that's very popular in D.C., La Diplomat. People have probably heard of it. Uh, it's on 14th Street in Northwest Washington. And just a few blocks north of that, at another restaurant called Execute, uh, we believe that there was some kind of shooting that occurred here, from what we understand from talking to D.C. police, about two people have been shot right now. Uh, I have personally looked at video, Anderson, of one gunshot victim being wheeled out of that restaurant on a stretcher with gunshot wounds in the chest. Uh, I personally also witnessed uh, somebody who was on the ground being treated by first responders. I'm not sure why that person was being uh, treated, but there was a blood stain on the car behind the person as he was leaning up against the car. We saw that ambulance uh, speed out of the area very quickly. Uh, but Anderson, this is a very popular, very, uh, I think, you know, very tra you know, well-traveled, uh, you know, pretty dense area of Northwest Washington, D.C. You're constantly seeing people in this area going up and down 14th Street. And it's also pretty close to the White House. I will tell you, we're just uh, five or six blocks from the White House. Now, as far as this restaurant where this uh, shooting apparently occurred, that also is a very popular restaurant in this area. And so, you know, to hear gunshots in the area is very unsettling. I will tell you, as I was sitting down to eat, I heard about seven or eight gunshots. You could see in the video that I, I sent in, people fleeing from those gunshots, running away from the gunshots. Of course, you're still gonna say it's gun violence, that, you know, it's the same old thing, but I just thought it was pretty interesting that it was, you know, he even tweeted about it. He was all worked up. He was a real newsman. And then in the intro, you saw the D.C. police chief talk about it. Uh, I guess this is not it. But he talked about it. The, the video, the shootings, you've seen it. And I played it in the intro because that's our nation's capital. For those that have been the show more than a day, I'm going to tell you, every time I went there to do my politicking for Citizens for Fort Campbell, my God, I was depressed. I can't believe that's our nation's capital. It's a shit, Bert. It's just a shit town. Top White House aide and Biden administration official debating whether they should urge vaccine masks back in. The vaccinated to wear masks. We got a COVID live section today. I just want to make sure we understand these people suck. All right. And here's the reason why. The people dying in the spikes you're getting right now are unvaccinated people for the Delta variant. It is not people that are vaccinated. People that are vaccinated are just getting sick, but they're not going to die because you got the fucking vaccine. They spent a whole year saying the vaccine's the devil because Donald Trump made it, and I'm not taking it because Tuskegee and shit. Do you remember? That's, that's what these people did. Well, now... 
You did the Johnson and Johnson, which really hurt things. Then you called everybody a bunch of fucking racists because they didn't get the vaccine, even though it's black people not getting the vaccine because you said and told them not to get the vaccine because Tuskegee and shit. Now you're going to say, I need to put a mask on because vaccinated liberals aren't comfortable with unvaccinated red staters that happen to be black people, Asian, all sorts of different races, but we're not going to even talk about that. Which shows that they're really the anti-vaxxer who still believe that Donald Trump made the vaccine, so they're uncomfortable with the vaccine. That's what this is all about. Just make sure you understand that. You're going to ruin anybody wanting to get the vaccine. Because you're basically saying it's no good. Doesn't work. My mom's scared again. Because she's watching all this. Border crisis is about to make history. Look at these numbers. I want to just make sure we understand that on a daily basis, people are just walking through our border and nobody is stopping them. Daily. Daily this is happening. Last time I checked, those aren't Mexicans come from Honduras. Mexicans. Latin people coming from Honduras. And we told the Cubans to go fuck themselves. But African Americans, come on in. The most amazing thing about this is the fact that they, they don't even cover it. I think I fucked up. I know that. To decrease the COVID-19 include the Delta variant, the United States extending restrictions to non-essential travel out. DHS is constant contact with Canadians. So we're, we're worried about Canadians, but we're letting everybody under the border come back in. And then when you look at it, you have Cuomo, all right? Nobody even covered any of this. We're talking uh, 19 seconds. ABC didn't ignore increase of border surge Friday night. David Murray gave it 12 whole seconds. But here's Frito trying to explain that they're not criminals because they still are stuck on Trump. It's by definition profiling, taking what someone looks like and putting them into a category of criminality because of how they look. That's profiling. Facts. Immigrants who are undocumented are much less likely to commit a crime. Why? Because they're scared of getting detected by the system and thrown out. The average age of a drug trafficker is 37. The vast majority of them are U.S. citizens. By now, Despite scorching summer temperatures, the record migrant surge of the southern border is still growing tonight. Newly released numbers show Customs and Border Patrol agents apprehended nearly 189,000 migrants trying to cross in June. That's the highest number in 21 years. Over 1 million migrants have now been apprehended this year. There are new numbers tonight on the number of migrants arriving at the southern border. Border Patrol agents reporting they have made more than a million arrests at the border with Mexico so far this year, the highest number since at least 2005. 
Federal prosecutors in California have charged two men with plotting to blow up the Democratic Party's state headquarters in Sacramento. They allegedly planned to attack a string of Democratic targets after the 2020 presidential election. And we're learning more tonight about an alleged plot to blow up the headquarters of California's Democratic Party. Federal prosecutors say two suspects now charged used encrypted messaging apps to plan a series of attacks to avenge President Trump's defeat in the 2020 election. Authorities say the men armed with machine guns and bombs hoped to inspire a movement and reached out to an anti-government militia group for support. You saw they covered a whole bunch of other stuff that was more Democratic-aided, but that is so disingenuous. Only Arizona tracks DUIs. All these sanctuary states don't cover illegal crime. We don't classify it. It's not a classification. FBI doesn't do it either. So you're all a bunch of fucking liars, basically is what I'm trying to say. New York Times, though, ready to pounce. Of course you're going to pounce. It's a wrecker. Just a record number of people coming through. It's just insane. And then I I just had to do this. This is the lady running against DeSantis, and she just gives it up. That's everything that you need to know about our shitty fucking media. She's right. They have every else and there's no place that you just don't for a second try to argue that there is no bias than in this covid kabuki theater i think that that where we are right now in science and molecular biology and particularly molecular virology and our ability to sequence and recombine and and create various organisms in some respect is that the best way to prevent a nefarious act is to develop a culture of responsibility among scientists. You, you have to have some um, restrictions in the sense of you don't do work that could actually hurt people in the sense of if you have a laboratory accident, you have to have the right containment. Uh, once you start being too restrictive, you then impede creativity for so many of the good things that could come out of the same type of work. Uh, the gain of function research, which is something that Senator Rand Paul has brought up while baseless, uh, baselessly insinuating that Dr. Fauci is somehow responsible for the COVID virus. We should note that Senator Rand Paul uh, says that he's asking the DOJ for a criminal referral against Fauci. So in the broader context of the conversation around the vaccine and COVID-19, is this a good faith vaccine messaging campaign or are uh, party leaders still feeding into these conspiracy theories? Before we go, how much, we've been on television for almost in, well, it's a year and a half, right? A little bit longer. How much evidence did they need when they saw the hundreds of thousands of people dying from COVID and the height of it? I mean, how? Well, Don, that's, this is my point. This, I couldn't love my brother-in-law more than I do, but he is, and he's a smart guy, but it became completely political for him. You know, he's smart enough to know about what vaccines do. He worked in sciences all his life, but it became a statement. It's like Democrats 
this is good for Democrats. If you know, COVID was bad for Donald Trump, and it's good for Democrats. It got that black and white. Uh, and so that if he acknowledged that COVID was a problem and got the vaccination, he was saying, well, maybe the Democrats were right. And that's why he refused. I, yeah. I guess. I still haven't gotten a clear answer. Boy, oh boy. All right. Don, this, listen, Republicans are so good at creating issues of outrage that drive people to the poll. And they chose this as one of those issues to create faux outrage and drive people to the poll under the guise but that Anna, it was about liberty. But the hypocrisy is that so many of those Republicans that are banging the drums against vaccination are vaccinated themselves. Yes. And, and including, I, you know, I have a relative that says that exact same thing. Listen, this is the emergency use authorization. I'm not going to take it until it's approved. And I'm thinking, this is an emergency. That's yeah. why it's called emergency use authorization, <laughs> Sylvia, not their real name. And I, it's late February. Scott Rowe is one of them. Here I am recovering, getting out of here finally tomorrow. Am I going to get a vaccine? No. Um, Why not? Because there's too many issues with these vaccines. This father, former baseball coach, small business owner, and hunter caught COVID and then he developed pneumonia. Before you got sick, if you would have had a chance to get the vaccine and prevent this, would you have taken the vaccine? Nope. So you would have gone through this? I'd have gone through this, yes, sir. Don't shove it down my throat. That's what's local, state, federal administration is trying to do, to shove it down your throat. What are they shoving, the science? No, they're shoving the fact that that's their agenda. The agenda. At this point, medically, would it be your advice that vaccinated people should wear masks inside? Well, I am really relieved that the White House is considering to revise their guidance because the circumstances on the ground have changed. The realities have changed. The science has changed. And you would expect that the policy changes accordingly. Initially in May, when the CDC came out with their guidance saying, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. First of all, they didn't take into account that the honor system was not going to work and that unvaccinated people were taking off their mask as well. But also, we are now seeing that we have 40,000 new daily infections per day compared to 11,000 a month ago. We have the Delta variant that's surging. And actually, we don't know at this point whether if you are fully vaccinated, whether you're able to transmit the virus to others. I want to commend Rand Paul. Uh, he's always been a champion of justice, always been a champion of liberty. But his referral to the DOJ, I think, is well-founded. Uh, you can just go back and very simply look through the clips of Dr. Fauci speaking back in May or even subsequent months after that. And you can tell he has directly lied to Congress. And so when Dr. Fauci gave, when, when Dr. Rand Paul gave him the opportunity to actually recant his statements, he declined. And then when Rand Paul started pressing him further and said there will be consequences for those responsible, I'm not sure if you noticed in that clip, but you see his hands start to shake uncontrollably. A lot of people say, oh, well, that, that's, that's uncontrollable rage. No, that is fear. This conservative decision to demonize Anthony Fauci. Uh, and I want to separate from the question of the Wuhan lab leak because this conflation is causing the confusion. But we can actually measure the impact of this month's long effort. According to a new poll from the Annenberg Public Policy Center, 68% of folks overall are confident that Fauci is providing trustworthy advice on COVID. But that number goes down dramatically when all of a sudden you look at people who are ingesting their information primarily from conservative hyperpartisan sites. So what's the game here? What, what is the purpose of this fixation on attacking Anthony Fauci? 
Well, I don't, I don't think it's entirely a game. I think it's that Fauci is a very powerful public official who deserves and rarely gets tough questioning in almost any realm. Uh, he gets, frankly, a lot of fangirling uh, and a lot of uh, just sort of forum for his ideas, and he doesn't get a lot of pushback. Uh, Senator Paul understood the assignment here. He's asking about a tough subject that admittedly none of us are experts on, but I would like to know a lot more about. And despite his protestations, tough questions for Dr. Anthony Fauci are not attacks on science itself. This is something we should talk about. Further, Fauci has something to do with the numbers on his own level of trustworthiness. He has at least twice, and I will be gentle in saying, at least shaded the truth about his COVID pronouncements based on his own judgment on what the public can handle. Now, you may yeah. think those shading this of the truth were noble, that for instance, saying that masks were not particularly efficient for helping protect you back in the beginning of the uh, pandemic so that they could be uh, in greater supply for health workers, that that was, the end result was okay. But it did seed distrust of him with good reason. He also has admitted saying that when it came to herd immunity, he looked at polling to base his statements on how much herd immunity would be the threshold that we needed. These well, two instances it, are just Mary, facts. Mary Catherine, I want to- Hold on, those are just facts. And it is an issue that a very powerful public figure was found to be shading the truth about these things. And it is a reason that people have come to distrust him. On the issue of the lab- Well, theory, hold, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me just stop you there because I want David to jump in. But I want to think, I want to make a distinction between tough questions and their total legitimacy and what Rand Paul is doing within the context of, of the conservative ecosystem. But David, why, why don't you weigh in on that? Well, I mean, I, I don't think Mary Catherine is, is wrong in the respect that, of course, he deserves tough questions. And, you know, there's, there's kind of this narrative. Uh, yes, there's no question that, uh, that liberals have jumped to, to Fauci's defense all the time, and whether it's thank you, Dr. Fauci science, which I don't think are inappropriate for the top public health official in the United States who has helped guide the country through the virus during two administrations that, that somebody who is of some renown for decades now would, would get, get that kind of positive attention. That never meant that somehow Fauci was responsible for making every decision with regard to what people ought to do, number one. I don't agree with the characterization that it's a shading of the truth, but we're not here to debate each other about the original decision on mask. But the truth is, a proper scrutiny of Fauci, proper scrutiny, which is appropriate too of the CDC and some of the political nature of what they're doing, uh, I think is totally appropriate. That's separate from what I think in this case is Rand Paul it, contradicting himself in the space of a three minute clip, which is plain for anyone to see, and trying to make a larger case against Fauci, who may not be infallible, but the point is he is trying to direct the government and direct the public through a, a response to a pandemic against uh, countervailing claims, against misinformation, you know, it's, it's tough business. And to sort of hold out and say, well, there were a couple of statements they had made the, that should be reviewed, and that's somehow the case against him? I mean, is, this, is somebody trying to lead a cross-examination of it Fauci? It I think I've been listening to Fauci for months on this, and I think he's well, been remarkably consistent. But both, both Fauci and much of the media and much of his fan base, frankly, uh, conflate confronting him about these things in a serious way with 
an attack on him personally. It's not an attack on him personally to note that he has done these things. He is the face of the messaging for this. At times, he has been not a great face for the messaging of these things. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to point out. On the issue of this particular line of questioning, which has to do with the lab leak theory, we also have to look in practice. You may say it's legitimate to ask him difficult questions, but we don't ever seem to get around to it, okay? And on this issue in particular, that's connected to the lab leak theory. The lab leak theory was credible last year, reported on valiantly by Josh Rogan, even when people said that it was verboten and we shouldn't talk about it. Rand Paul asked about it last year as well. This is the kind of thing that makes people distrust folks when we're told we can't talk about something that we have good reason to but ask But we're talking about it. This is this red herring. I'm sorry, this is the straw man that and people... And does not sound like he's being particularly forthcoming. He yeah. sounds like he's walking a bunch of lines and being very indignant and saying that no. asking questions of him is an attack on science itself. A lot uh, of I'm sorry, this is, I'm sorry, this is getting into cable news silliness. This is cable news silliness. No, no, nobody's saying... We- Can't trust people, but Gail King says she is, a, I guess, a mega person. That's pretty scary a mega person in her family porter just said during the white house briefing that the unvaccinated threat to the vaccinated time this is an anti-vax propaganda my vaccine protects me yours protects you that's how this works it's not how they see it they just don't see it that way Pisaki clarifies that O'Keefe that there's been other breakthrough COVID-19 cases in the White House that have not been publicly disclosed. O'Keefe, you confirmed today that there's been breakthrough. Yep. But you're also confirming there's been other breakthrough cases. Yep. But you have not previously disclosed that there has been. Correct. Why do you need that information? That's why I played it in the beginning. Then you have the, the facts. Oh, I, well, I'm going to read these. That's good. Shocking that the self-described most transparent administration in history even has to ask this dumb question. The most transparent administration. But this is, he is a true believer in this kind of research. He has years invested in it. He has spent years talking, writing, and promoting it, and writing off the risk of the other scary shit. Once you look at it this way, his current defensive is clear and understands what he's saying. He is lying. This piece in the nation, yes, the nation is so clarifying on this. This isn't about left or right. Four million people are dead, likely because this research, that's why he deflects and distracts. The biggest thing shielding him is how the nation, national media has defined him. They will not press him on any of his, because even they know where this possibly goes. Science and molecular biology cannot be blamed for this. That's Fauci's starting point. We're the good guys. We're the only trying to help. This is why what John Stewart said resonated. Oftentimes, these guys are not the good guys, well-intentioned or not. Fauci will defend his life's work like a rabid wolverine because that's the true believers do. That's what the Marshall and Paul brought out of him this week. I disagree with how Paul went about it, but the reaction was telling. If you commit to this kind of research and you cure cancer, you're a genius. If you kill four million people with it, you should be regarded as a monster. That's Falky's dilemma and what he's fighting off every day. And more and more he looks like a monster. And he does. Remember, he's the guy that said AIDS was everywhere. Then there was this one, which I think is really, really telling in our media. You you can't have people that literally, 
MK Hammer nailed this and did a great job of flagging two times in which Falke has admitted to deceive the public for what he pertained a noble purpose. But they won't see that. They will never admit it. They just won't. Falke, you're not going to get COVID if you get vaccinated. He says this as fully vaccinated White House staff are testing positive. Somebody asked, will this information be taken down? Then you have all this stuff. One of the last things they do before they're intubated is beg me for a vaccine. I hold their hand and tell them, I'm sorry, it's too late. A few days later, when I when I call time of death continued, Kobaya on Facebook, I hug their family members and tell them the best way to honor their loved one. They cry and they tell me they didn't know. They thought it was a hoax. They thought it was political. Uh, but it's always conservative people. You will see in the media this guy, but you won't see the black guy from New England. Yeah, he quit too. Or the black running back. You won't see the nation's largest fucking union, medical union. They're protesting because they don't want to take the vaccine, which makes me wonder why. Union protests New York Presbyterian's code vaccine mandate pushes for testing options. Vaccinated America has had enough. In the United States, this pandemic could almost be over now. The reason it's still going are pretty clear. David Frum just nuking conservatives and talking about conservatives, but not the black people. And then you just get into all the things they say. I mean, will anyone, anyone at all ever trust the CDC again? And who on God's earth would trust a vaccine approved by the FDA? How do we get vaccine distributors? Uh, This is Trumpism. Uh, this is total Trumpism. This is Joanne Reed. Um, how do we get a vaccine distributed after this broken Trumpism nonsense has affected everything, even if Biden wins? Chris Hayes, Trump obsession focus on vaccine is nuts. It's totally immaterial to short-term challenges, which are substantial. Rachel Maddow, Trump has plotted with his team on a pre-election promotion campaign to try to convince voters a vaccine is safe, approved, and ready for mass distribution. Biden has spent, this is Brian Steltzer, the bottom right one, these early days as president-elect pleading with Americans to pay attention to the relentless surge of COVID-19 as Trump continues to ignore the deepening crisis that touts the promise of yet-to-be-approved vaccine panacea, which was approved. It was there. But do we go back and point at ourselves? No, we run another fucking story over here. I mean, that's a whole bunch of other ones that they have. It, it's just fucking, my God, my God in heaven. They run that story about the guy. I'm not getting it. Ah, here are Joanne Reeds. You had the first one. Then, let me get back to it. This one. After, uh, where is that? After Trump's HHS led by a guy who sees shadows on his wall and thinks government scientists are leading a seditious coup, vandalized the CDC website with fake news, rending the agency very hard to trust. Why would any sensible person take a vaccine Trump had anything to do with? I'm going to get to my point in a second. David Axelrod. It's late for those who unnecessarily have lost their lives because of disinformation and the timidity of some of the right, but the shift in tone in the past few days has been striking. Dan Crenshaw. Next level gaslighting by the left and their friends in the press who want everyone to forget that they were undermining public trust in vaccine before it was even developed. I won't play it again. I played it for two, two podcasts. They did it. 
Biden seizing on worries of a rush vaccine warns Trump can't be trusted. That's from September 2020, boys and girls. That's not from yesterday. The media in March, DeSantis is too focused on vaccinated seniors. That's racist. The media in April, DeSantis is Florida's largest grocery chain distributing the vaccine corruption. The media in July, today for the first time ever, DeSantis spoke about vaccinations. Florida residents can see through it because they're actually living through DeSantis' policy. The media campaign against DeSantis is about poisoning a well for a national audience. I've had to remind people of this constantly, yet these are the same people who believe Fauci didn't fund gain-of-function research. Because it's always been political. Always. NFL is going to fucking find people. Then we get to the Texas people. Dana Howard, with classes start next month, it's time to stop political games. Families deserve clear guidance of policies to help students, teachers, and staff safe. Most students haven't received vaccine. Masks must play out a critical role. Irony, not lost to me in regard to our flight. TSA exempts private non-commercial flights from mask requirements. Unfortunately, the spike in infections from the data Delta variant became apparent immediately after our flight, and we know at this time we should have worn masks. Yeah. Here you are still talking off your ass do you think having thousands of vaccinated people pouring through our border helps no they, they don't think it's they they just don't think it is. They, they just keep running this kind of stuff my name is michelle beckley i'm one of the brave texas democrats who came to dc to fight for voting rights in my state now i'm fighting to flip a seat held by anti-democracy republicans i have twenty-eight thousand. you get fifty thousand. for those asking where you can make a contribution here you go 30K, baby. Was this after you abandoned your state? Noah's first trip to the capital. No mask. It's a child. It it talks good. It, it doesn't have to be good. It, it just has to talk good. That That's what this is all about. Otherwise, uh, Carol Market... Markowitz, give me your favorite COVID insanity moment. I commented that the kayaker being pulled from the water in California was mine, but also the one I always mentioned. They closed a green space in Brooklyn and opened a street alongside it. The replies to this tweet tell us how we've truly evolved a society that understands and practices sound scientific principles and doesn't overreact to anything at all. So sciencey, so very sciencey. This might be my favorite Twitter friend. Give me your favorite COVID. Here are some. Someone called the cops on me for sitting on my sixth floor balcony without a mask. Um, here's a, some more that are just, I mean, this is where we're going. Uh, one that's established Harvey Irish Pub received a call for state liquor authority. Investigators said that chips wouldn't satisfy the order for salsa for food. Remember that? A couple hundred days Worth of 15-day spreads. I remember that one. Whitner banning boats with motors. Michigan Governor Whitner ending the lockdown two days after she was caught breaking her own edicts. We decided to use lockdown to start a garden, and we weren't allowed to go to the garden section of the store and had to buy everything from Amazon. Selling seeds in Michigan. They stopped selling seeds. I didn't know this one. Non-essential items were put on caution tape in Michigan stores. You couldn't buy them. Uh, after the children were allowed to return in person school in March, my kids' school did not allow anyone to use the playground. 
when restaurants were back open and you had to wear your mask until you were seated because the Rona doesn't come for you when you're seated. <laughs> I could play more of the deaths because the v- veers is like being torn down. Before his hospitalization, Harmon had made fun of vaccine efforts. I got 99 problems with vaccine one, he said in a tweet. On July 8th, he posted Biden door to our vaccine survey. Really couldn't be called to COVID witness. Hashtag keep moving, dork. A man who mocked vaccine on social media has died in Los Angeles. See, that's what they do. They love finding a white conservative. But they're not going to talk about science here's another one reparations for slavery could have reduced COVID 19 transmission that was cnn that was cnn it was it was just perfect it's just just perfect this is where we're at this is where we're at you're you're too busy saying it's got to be those red staters it's like the driving and the cars and everything we've gone through you still Spend all your time politicizing this virus and you wonder why some people don't take it seriously because you've lost all fucking credibility because you're letting every motherfucker in the world come through the southern border. But Cubans, go fuck yourself. We can see through it. Just like we can see through all this shit with the FBI. We told you a few weeks ago that some of the protesters at the Capitol building in Washington on January 6th appear to have been working with the FBI in secret and that some of them may have encouraged protesters to break the law that day. And we didn't make that claim lightly. We had seen evidence in court documents suggesting that it happened. We're also aware of several other well-documented cases that appeared in the press in which the FBI effectively orchestrated crimes for which Americans were ultimately arrested and imprisoned. As we told you last night, that very thing just happened in the state of Michigan right before the last election. The much-publicized attempt to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer was not at all what it seemed to be. As we've now learned, according to an account in BuzzFeed News, the majority of the so-called plotters in that case were in fact reporting to the FBI. There's a name for that. It was a setup, and it was immediately leveraged by the Joe Biden for President campaign for political advantage. So given all of that, we asked the obvious question. Did anything similar happen on January 6th? We're not saying the entire thing was orchestrated by the FBI. But is it possible that some of the people there were actually reporting to the FBI and that they encouraged, as we said, others to commit crimes? That's an entirely fair question. But for asking it, the usual propagandists in the news media denounced us with maximum hysteria as conspiracy theorists and unpatriotic. They're still denouncing us now. But as it turns out, we were right to ask those questions, and tonight we'll show you why. Mark Ibrahim is a 32-year-old Army veteran who served in Iraq. On January 6th of this year, he was a federal agent. He worked for the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA. Ibrahim says he went to the Capitol that day because he was invited by an FBI informant, a man he had known in Iraq. We have confirmed this is true. We've reached out to that man, the man that Ibrahim went to the protest with. He denies he encouraged anyone to break the law, but that man did confirm that he has been an FBI informant. He confirmed the FBI knew he was at the Capitol that day, and he confirmed he invited Mark Ibrahim to the protest. Ibrahim says that the two of them stood outside the building. The FBI informant turned to him and strongly encouraged him to enter the Capitol building. 
Ibrahim knew that was illegal, so he refused to do it. Ibrahim did not enter the capital that day in the end. He did not destroy property. He did not brandish his DEA-issued weapon. He did not remove it from its holster. He did not commit any violence of any kind. In fact, he repeatedly remarked that he disapproved of the rioting he saw at the Capitol. We know that he did because he said so on contemporaneous video. So that seemed to be the end of the story, an American citizen standing at a constitutionally protected political protest in his nation's capital. The next day, he flew to Los Angeles on a commercial flight. And on the flight, he carried his sidearm, which is legal. Federal agents in good standing are encouraged to keep their weapons with them, and he did. And the feds knew about it because he was on a plane. But then things took a bizarre and stunning turn. The DEA fired Ibrahim from his job for going to that protest on January 6th. When he came on this show to tell that story, Joe Biden's Justice Department doubled down. This week, the feds charged him with a number of felonies, including being too close to a federal monument. That would be Section 5104 of the U.S. Code, the law that makes it a crime to, quote, step on or climb on any statue, seat, wall, fountain, or other architectural feature, or any tree, shrub, plant, or turf in the Capitol grounds, end quote. Mark Ibrahim now faces 15 years in federal prison. This is a grotesque and a shocking story, but it is real. Mark Ibrahim joins us now, along with his attorney, Darren Ritchie. Thank you both for joining us. Darren Ritchie, first to you as the attorney. It's hard to see, based on the facts and the 16-page charging document that we have read, what exactly the crime is here that would justify 15 years in prison. Well, to me, it looks like we really have a Department of Justice seeking quantity over quality. I don't see any crime here. The particular crime that you just mentioned with regard to 5104, in particular, Section B, describes injuries to properties. No property was injured. No person was injured. No violence was committed. He didn't enter or breach capital grounds whatsoever. There's no crime, and we intend to defeat all of the charges in short order. And there's not even, again, having read it, I can say, an allegation of a crime that I can see, certainly of a felony that would justify 15 years in the charging documents. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. I, I just want to be very clear about one thing. The man who invited you to this event is a longtime FBI informant. He's confirmed that to us. He was a friend of yours. He may still be a friend of yours. While you were there, and I want to be clear on this, he encouraged you to breach the Capitol. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I think he asked me to go with him to protect him, and I think he was there to document. Both him and I were seeking uh, to protect the public that day. This Monday is going to be the first felony sentencing for a member of the insurrection. The Washington Post says prosecutors are asking for 18 months for one count of obstructing Congress. What kind of precedent will this case set, especially for defendants facing conspiracy or assault charges? Given the number of cases that are pending, we're talking hundreds of people who have been arrested and will be charged. Even the first one means that it is a precedent-setting thing. Jail seems to be necessary, not just to send a message to all the other potential insurrectionists, but to keep us safe in the short term. So I think that 18 months seems like a very fair and actually lenient sentence. These are felonies that could uh, end up causing someone to be found uh, incarceratable for up to three to five years, the misdemeanors, of course, will be lesser uh, penalties.
but 18 months seems to be within the sentencing guidelines and is a good thing for the prosecutors to be asking for to protect all of us from future possible insurrections. Well, Ryan, you reported on a riot or release from jail because he didn't know the difference between the Capitol and the White House. Yes. I mean, ignorance is sort of going to be an ongoing theme here. We saw multiple cases where people were just confused where they were. There was an individual uh, who uh, was confused between the House and the Senate. Um, but, you know, that wasn't quite as bad as some of the people who thought that they were at the White House when they were actually at the Capitol, of course. And it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to storm the White House, which was controlled by Trump at that point. So, you know, there's this it's just sort of funny when we talk about this ongoing thing about like, oh, people have legitimate concerns about the electoral vote count. And it's just like, when you look at the actual the rhetoric these people were using, they didn't have a very deep understanding of how the electoral process necessarily worked in a lot of cases, um, weren't really like deep in the weeds here. So, you know, I think it's just something to keep in mind when we hear these claims. Um, you know, the Paul Hodgkin sentencing tomorrow, I think, is going to be very important because his lawyer there has made a really interesting argument saying basically uh, that the um, I, first of all, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, address specifically white rage or black rage or Asian rage or Irish rage or English rage or German rage or any other rage, right? Um, the, the events of the 6th of January happened. Those are all going to get sorted out. Historians will sort it out. Commissions will sort it out and so on. Uh, but I do think it's important uh, that we as a professional military not only understand foreign countries and foreign cultures and foreign societies, that's important that we do that, uh, but we also need to understand our own society and, and understand the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, uh, and the society they're coming from. And I think that's important for leadership to study. Thank you. Sir, you said the words white rage. Yeah, I said I'm not going to discuss it right now. I think it's a very complicated topic, and we don't have the time to go into the nuance of it right this minute. I can do that later. I'll be happy to do that later. Uh, but right now is not a good time to do that. It's too, com it's too complicated. We've got time for one more, guys. Earlier today, Senator Paul got in a bit of a tussle with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, I'm going to show you a clip, and you don't need to understand what Rand Paul is saying, because clearly he doesn't. <laughs> All you need to know is he's trying to call Dr. Fauci a liar, and the good doctor jack-slapped him back to his old Kentucky home. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain-of-function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Okay, it's, uh, it's time to call it uh, time of death, 11. Meanwhile, we're learning much more about the FBI's involvement in another alleged act of domestic terrorism. That would be the plot last year to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Now, prominent Democrats at the time, very much including Whitmer herself, blamed Trump for this alleged plan. So what was the plan? <laughs> well, BuzzFeed, of all places, has just confirmed that the FBI had a, quote, hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception. In other words, the FBI helped plan it. One FBI informant organized meetings to kidnap the governor. Another informant, quote, prodded the alleged mastermind of the kidnapping plot to advance his plan. 
and texts from an FBI agent directed an informant to draw people into the conspiracy. In the end, it looks like there were more FBI snitches, informants, people working with the FBI involved in the plot than weren't. It was an FBI plot. So what does this suggest about January 6th? Before you dismiss it as a conspiracy theory, we know there were FBI informants in the crowd. We know it for certain. We'll have a lot more on that tomorrow night. Why can't we know their involvement in January 6th now that we're getting a sense of their involvement in this fake kidnapping plot? Julie Kelly is with American Greatness. As we said many times, she's one of the few reporters on the story. She joins us tonight. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. What do you make of this Michigan kidnapping plot? Um, well, what was interesting in the BuzzFeed article, aside from how they put the kidnapping plot together, was a protest at the Capitol building in Lansing, Michigan, uh, in April of 2020, which eerily mirrors what happened on January 6th. This includes these militia groups, one of them, the Three Percenters, who also has been accused of participating in January 6th. Uh, they showed up in military gear. Uh, the police stood down, let them into the building. Even wow. with full military garb, they had firearms. Photographers were there to take pictures. They were banging down doors looking for Gretchen Whitmer and um, all of those photographs and everything went viral. Sounds really familiar about what happened on January 6th. So there's no reason now for anyone to doubt or be skeptical that this FBI that we know is so highly partisan uh, has now gone after Donald Trump, his associates, and now his supporters for the past five years, that the FBI did not play an instrumental role in infiltrating many of these groups before January 6th and instigating things on that day. We certainly have a right to know, and I would love to know why we don't have a right to know, and more to the point, I'd like to know why we don't know. And I, it seems like one of the reasons is Republicans, starting with Mitch McConnell in the Senate, mm -hmm. reflexively cover for the FBI and the Department of Justice. Why do they do that, do you think? I don't know. I, I wish that I had a good answer because I don't. And I, I don't even know that any Republicans have spoken out since this news broke that the FBI was so instrumental. Now, also, this was exposed in October of 2020. Again, we have the Justice Department and the FBI interfering in the election. Joe Biden condemned Donald Trump for not speaking out more about the kidnapping plot. Um, this happened, obviously, in a crucial state uh, just yeah. weeks before the election as people were voting. And this was supposed to reflect Donald Trump's support, right, the white supremacists. And so uh, there's no reason not to believe that a few months later, we didn't just have an extension of what was happening throughout 2020. Uh, and then really bringing that to uh, a fulsome uh, what happened on January 6th. So we need more leaders asking questions directly to Christopher Ray about the FBI's involvement. I think we also have to give a shout out to Darren Beatty and Revolver News because he really outlined in an article several weeks ago about sure the did. likelihood of the FBI's involvement. If I hear another elected Republican say there was inadequate security on January 6th because Democrats are against law enforcement, when of course... Right. Democrats are completely for law enforcement if they control it and it protects them. I'm going to scream because that's clearly not the answer. Julie Kelly, I appreciate your coming on tonight and your reporting. Thank you. Thanks. So, of course, we have the January 6th stuff and we've seen that guy before. Um, he is being charged because they need him. He is holding a weapon. 
They got to have the armed protester thing, and he didn't do anything. But yeah, they're going to go after him. Of course they are. This this is this is how we do it in a fascist society. I had to play a little more of that tape of HuffPo because they're so excited about all these people going to jail. But remember, these same people, you know, bailed out people that burned down buildings, killed people. They didn't care. You got Millie crawling out from underneath his rock. Colbert saying that uh, it's really cool and uh, GOP people should die. And then the Whitmer story, which is kind of where we're starting because this this kind of sums up with most of these when they're on the right. And I don't have a problem with it because people did things wrong. You shouldn't do these things. My point and why I cover it is, why aren't they doing this against the left? Anafar's been torching towns since Trump got in office. Where's the FBI informants on the Rose City Antifa that have has been torturing and destroying Portland for damn near five years. Where where's that at? This is the problem with the FBI. They seem to be all liberals. That's not justice. That's the antithesis of justice. So of course we're supposed to believe this no evidence found bullshit with Tucker. Then why did it leak? And then, and then you have, here's Brian Seltzer, because once again, he is the most hated man. My wife really actually worries about Tucker. Tucker Carlson, deception in 288 char- characters. CNN has 4,000 staffers. One exec sends an email about vaccine hostility, opining that the carrot is no longer going to work. Carlson obtains it, and his show turns it on an outright lie. CNN wants to use a stick on the unvaccinated. It is silly, isn't it? But who exactly was a genius that sent the email? That's the question. One exec, isn't it? All right. One exec. My goodness. You're shameless. Why intentionally not mention who it is? Because that's not how they operate. They do nothing wrong. They're perfect. Everybody else is a piece of shit. Fox News finally said something. Hey, this shit's fucking unacceptable. It is. If they scooped it, that's fine. But when you release it, Oh, that's a problem. That's a big-time problem. Reuters, a group of Democratic senators, sent a statement that newly released materials show the FBI failed to fully investigate Brett Kavanaugh. That's right. Brett Kavanaugh is now who they're going after again. The very bare minimum that a person who comes forward is owed is sincere and thorough investigation, and you've been denied that, and I will make a personal pledge to you here that however long it takes, in whatever forum I can do it, whenever it's possible, I will do whatever is in my power to make sure that your claims get a full and proper investigation, and not just this. So the FBI is bad now? You guys are so confusing. The senators, including Sheldon Whitehouse and Chris Coons, said the letter they received from the FBI director Chris Ray last month shows that FBI gathered over 4,500 tips relating to Kavanaugh without any apparent further action by investigators. More damn garbage. 
They've been working on FBA angle to bounce Kavanaugh from the court from day one. And you watch, something's going to happen. He posted the video I just played. Three years. There's no proof. It was a hit job. That's where they're going to focus the FBI. Because that's what they do. And then this comes down this week. So we have time to get 550 people, treat them like they're in Gitmo, but we can't investigate them governors killing people? Steve Scalise is the only person that's even talked about it on the right, which is kind of shocking considering it's criminal. New York's investigating it. And they're liberal. We're too busy doing this. This stuff is just the far right fear of glowies. The government has identified at least 12 informants involved in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case. Nobody wants to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Breakthrough or breaking text message between FBI handler and his informant within the Michigan militia details how to entrap defendants of criminal activity per court docs. I have a few goals for today. The FBI former was paid $54,000, including $6,000 expenses per docs, and was central figure in sting operation, $24,000 of which was funding for witness relocation after the takedown. It was an inside job. And then you start getting people who actually report on it. They've done it before. Five cases of CMI, uh, FBI entrapment. The first Trade Center, World Trade Center bombing. The first one. Garland, Texas, true shooting. Hal Turner. Cointel Pro. The Herald Square bomber, where they literally gave the people the explosives, everything. Oath Keeper. This article's pretty interesting. I just go to Revolver and read it. it. It shows none of this. It wasn't a fucking thing, man. It wasn't a thing. Then they show this FBI's ridiculous Capitol siege bomb plot videos and all-out assault on common sense. This last week, the F- FBI confessed to Congress, and not without prodding with Senator Ron Johnson, that no guns had actually been recovered or confiscated on Capitol grounds. That admission collaborated a thorough review by Ann Greatness, Jewel Kelly, and more than 2,000 DOJ charge documents, whose conclusion went completely unmentioned by either Chris Ray or the incoming Garland in their fire and brimstone assessment of the deadly threat Mega posed that day. With the gun and capital meme down, only two serious terrific plots implicated Mega on 1-6 remain. One is the guns and bombs stashed in cars outside the city plots, participating related to the Oath Keepers, which has been the subject of exhausting forthcoming Revolver News investigation. The other is the eagerly hyped pipe bomb. So this pipe bomb plot got better be real and better be authentic act of genuine Trump supporter. Basically, all they have left is a strange case of Oath Keepers, and we will tell you in advance, that's not like looking like it's even close to what the FBI narrative is. The tale of the tape. Let's take a deeper look at this week's FBI Roadshow. More than two months after the event in question, after circling hundreds of high-resolution close-ups of mega moms and teenage girls publicly finally get two minutes of grainy, low-res, sorry, 
grainy, low-res close-ups of mega moms and teenagers. The public finally gets two minutes of grainy, low-res source footage that the FBI surely had access to within days or maybe weeks of 1-6. The video release came with a tremendous FBI fanfare, full-length Twitter thread, and a formal press release, plus distribution on YouTube, Facebook, and all their websites. Um, it, in, if the name Stephen DeAnton sounds familiar, it's because it is. Readers might recall a must-read Revolver exclusive from months ago detailing how DeAnton appeared to have helped frame the mega movement from his own local Detroit FBI office overseeing his federal agents' infiltration, incitement, and indictment sting operation of loners and losers during the so-called Gretchen Whitner kim- kidnapping plot. Then with only a year in leadership in Detroit, DeAnton went strangely and immediately promoted the FBI Washington field office. In the Whitmer plot, once you get past the screaming headlines applying mega crazies, plotted, storm the Michigan uh, building and kidnap Whitmer, you find that more than 25% of the plot's participants were FBI operatives. Just this week, I leaked out from the court filing that the FBI now indicted one of their own federal informants. We find out months from now that one more violent terror plot assessed, associated with 1-6 were actually an infiltration, incitement, indictment story like Whitmer will history rewrite, rewrite the reveal of the big reveal. That is why we demand these answers. The point is straight. After FBI stirred up domestic terror plot to blame on Mega in October, the same FBI director is investigating this. Let's play this video. That's it. That's what they got. Number one issue demanding answers why Nancy Pelosi did not provide adequate security in January, knowing it was a massive rally. Even the parking attendants were warning people to be careful days ahead. Nobody wants to talk about that. So this week, she rejects Jim Jordan and Jim Banks under the pretext that one of them didn't want to vote to settle 
or to ratify the election. Raskins was on all sorts of shit. He did the same thing. Most of the Democrats have fought every election since 2000. We don't kick them off committees. Our shitty-ass media doesn't say it. All right. She she says this. I'm going to play the Pelosi stuff. So, as you know, I renamed our commission, and it was committee, and it's bipartisan, again, and we have a quorum. Staff is being hired to do the job. We're there to seek the truth. We're not we're there to get the truth, not to get Trump. Uh, T-R-U, truth. Trump. That seems to be what the other side is obsessed with. So as the legislation allows, I did not accept two of the five people were appointed. Uh, they have made statements and taken actions uh, that I think would impact the integrity of the commission, of the committee, the work of the committee. Because it's an issue of health of many women in America, especially those uh, in uh, uh, lower income situations and in uh, different states. And uh, it is something that has been a priority for many of us a long time. Uh, as a devout Catholic and mother of five in six years, uh, I uh, feel that God blessed my husband and me with our beautiful family, five children, six years almost to the day. But that may not be what we should, it's not up to me to dictate that that's what other people should do. And it, it's an issue of, of fairness and uh, justice for poor women in, in our country. Yes, ma'am. Given how divided the country is at this point, um, do you risk uh, half the American public. The first one, uh, the other side's obsessed with Trump. Are, do you want to go with that? Pelosi, considering at her and Kinziger, when asked from press earlier today whether she'd appoint any Republican for the panel, Pelosi said, we'll see. And then Benny Thompson, chairman of Select Committee, confirmed that Crowdrew just said Kinziger has been discussed. House Speaker is considering him named Kinziger because he's just like a Democrat, too. Kinziger, Kinziger, Kinziger. Her calling Mazzara, Pelosi making January 6th landmark bipartisan by appointing Kinziger to join Liz Cheney on the panel. The fact that Cheney and Kinziger embrace reality, tell the truth, may make them outcast within the GOP caucus, but they are still Republicans. The only kind of people who can add value to a congressional investigation, whether the party label, are those seeking to illuminate rather than obscure the truth. That sums it up well. Well said all along. This is a purely partisan exercise by Democrats. Nancy Pelosi's rejection of me and Jim Jordan shows only again she's the most partisan figure in America today. American people deserve truth. Unfortunately, Speaker Pelosi is afraid of the facts. Stefanik, Nancy Pelosi, the radical authoritarian Speaker of the House, the Pelosi partisan January 6th commission was never about investigating facts, was only ever about so. Pelosi's radical politics and the left's endless obsession with crushing any discussion or debate. This commission is an absolute sham and has been a dis disgrace from the beginning. No amount of drooling excuses from the mainstream media will change that. 
What is Nancy Pelosi so afraid of? She's afraid of the American people finding out the truth that her failed leadership and the gross mismanagement of the U.S. Capitol led to the events. And that, my friends, is everything. McCarthy. Unless Speaker Pelosi reverses course and seats all five Republican nominees, Republicans will not be party to their sham process and will pursue our own. Alan Texans, tell me I got this. I'm absolutely certain we'll have a nonpartisan investigation. Liz Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll get right back on that because that's not happening. Everybody knows it's not happening. Everybody knows it's a fucking sham. This all this is is to keep it in the news. And when this is falling apart, I could play it. Mission of Gover slams Trump. That's all they care about. All you get is this. These people destroyed the whole country. This is the first case I've heard about that they're actually charging somebody. While Facebook is blocking Ho. Klobuchar is once again, America needs facts, not fiction, about the coronavirus. Fauci has consistently put public health first. His leadership should be applauded, not distorted by political posts. Unconstitutional health misinformation censorship bill proposed by Amy Klobuchar. And this bill is exactly what it says. You can't say what we don't want you to say. NBC regulars. We want a brown gay Sims utopia. That's why you get articles. This guy is fucked. He, he's he's fucked. He, he's totally fucked. The government's branding nonviolent January 6th defendants terrorist. Here's what the U.S. attorney. Did I get all this? Yeah. A U.S. attorney, Mona Setsky, said this week at a sentencing hearing, January 6th defendant Paul Hodgkins. Essentially, we can't meet the legal burden to prove that Hodgkins is a terrorist, so we're just going to surreptitiously assert that he was part of a terrorist attack. Prosecutors are introducing a theory whereas they can assert that January 6th defendants operated in the context of domestic terrorism, whatever the hell that means, without actually having to formally charge anyone with terrorism. This is insane, but largely ignored by the media because they want it. I played the Catholic. The bishop said... Yeah, no. Few before this, U.S. seeks to dismiss charges in visa fraud case for China. They don't. They don't care about China. We're gonna. We're just gonna let that fucking shit go. Eric Solware. After years of lying about me and my family, Tucker Carlson's losing his mind that I won't return his calls. Yeah, that that's not true. Not at all. But okay. We, we don't care. Will you get off the screen? Let me try to get to my article because I have a bunch of other. Uh, I could play the one beating a woman. I could play all these beatdowns. 
FBI assistant director faulted for misconduct around romantic relationship. Media not covering that. Oh, my God. Did I have this? What is this? I think we're into policy now. Yeah. Okay, let me get back here. Okay, I'm going to ignore this. And let's let's play uh, some sound bites. I need to get this fucking picture because it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. As you can't even see me, which is probably the greatest thing you guys have ever seen in my life. And so in their mind, uh, they might be confident. They might think that they're diehard, ready to go. But unfortunately, they're more like Tiger King and uh, they're putting themselves and their families in danger. And so what I would suggest is for those people who were first time gun owners, if they did go out and buy a gun, um, I would secure that gun locked and unloaded and hide it behind the cans of tuna and beef jerky that you've stored in a cabinet. And, um, you know, only bring that out if the zombies start to appear. Um, and I don't think they go on on steroids. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about. President Biden talking last night during a CNN town hall criticizing Republican-led attempts to curb voting rights. And we've heard again and again, really, from President Biden. He's calling this, last night he said, Jim Crow on steroids, the suggestion that it's worse than Jim Crow, um, a Jim Crow-style assault on voting rights. That has allowed some Republicans to sort of dismiss out of hand what he's saying, as if to say, please, this is not comparable to the horrors of Jim Crow. What do you think about the messaging from the White House? I think the messaging is really talking about the existential threat that we have to voting. I think it's right on target. This is a disaster because you're undermining the right of people to vote in a systemic way all over the country. This is not just a Texas problem or Florida problem. It's going all over the country and the president needs to put the gravity of the situation before the American people. It is Jim Crow with steroids. So in your assessment of things, Michael, how serious is this problem? It is an extraordinarily serious problem. It is a threat to our democracy, and it's happening all over the country. So we now know that Hunter Biden is going to be able to meet with prospective buyers at two art shows where his paintings are going to be on display later this year. How does this square with the goal of keeping him in the dark about the buyers of his art as a means to prevent even the appearance of undue influence? Well, this showing that was uh, that you're referencing was previously public. Uh, he's not going to have any conversations related to the selling of art. Wouldn't it be more transparent to just release the names of the buyers so that everyone would know who purchased this art and how much they paid? Well, we don't. We won't know who the buyers are. Uh, Hunter Biden won't know who the buyers are. Didn't they just announce on social media that they bought a painting? Again, I think we have set up a system. On schools first, now that the education department admits they made a mistake in their guide for reopening. How so? Well, uh, they included advice from the abolitionist teaching network. Uh, and they came out and said that was not supposed to be in there. Uh, Is the administration gonna follow up with school districts to make sure that 
the abolitionist teaching network uh, material is not in lesson plans. On masks, a few weeks ago, the president said we were closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus. Is that still the case if you guys are now reportedly considering asking vaccinated people to wear masks again? But the president said in May, vaxxed or masked? I, is, I think a lot of people got the vaccine because they were hearing him say, if you get the vaccine, you don't have to wear masks anymore. So, And that continues to be CDC guidance. Can you give us now the number of breakthrough cases that have occurred uh, during the Biden presidency? No, I don't think you can expect that we're going to be providing numbers of breakthrough cases, no. Really? That's not transparency to give us a number, not the names, but a number of these cases? You must have that information. Well, I can ask a follow-up to the question about the president's son and the art gallery events. Mm -hmm. um, you said that uh, Hunter Biden is not going to discuss anything related to the sale of his art. Is that a promise that has been made in writing? And if, if so, is that uh, an agreement that can be made available to the public? I'm making that clear to all of you now that that is an agreement that has been made as a part of this, uh, as a part of these events. Is it in writing? I can check and see if there's more detail. My God, this is a last minute article. That's why I kind of stopped to play those shitty ass sound bites of the ATF guy still besmirching gun owners, uh, NBC besmirching. Um, sorry, I was running up downstairs doing um, laundry. Um, literally, the Hunter Biden stuff. I mean, everything is political with these people, so I shouldn't be surprised. But when you see stuff like this, Liz Cheney is saving America. Remember, she was a piece of shit a while back. Queen Liz Cheney, this is how the piece starts. And maybe never Trumpers agree this. You know, I, the guy won't talk to me anymore, and it really kind of, I even got my job, and he was one of my, uh, I still put him like a dumbass on my app as a reference. So maybe he did give me a good reference, but he won't respond to me via email. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Dennis, New York. What the fuck, dude? Um, I know we love this lady. But Queen Liz Cheney? What has she done? Continue to cement her image as an iron lady of the Republican Party this week with the bold endorsement of Speaker Pelosi's decision to veto two Trump allies. Pelosi objected to the picks of minority leader Kevin McCarthy because, as Cheney explained, Jordan may well be a material witness to events that led to the day that led to January 6th. And Banks disqualified himself by his comment to participate over the last 24 hours, demonstrating he's not taking this seriously. And so doing, Cheney preserved the seriousness and credibility. Veranda Meeks. There's less cringe-tastic, simple, and mashed note penned by a freshman dweeb in the computer club to the homecoming queen than there is to this embarrassing exercise in journal writing. All that's missing is the word dreamy. Maybe next time. Cheney, by her very existence as a Republican, makes the select committee bipartisan. You can't spell simple-minded without simp. I can't help but thinking it is brave and bold and romantic and rebellious. It is certainly true that Matt Lewis can't help thinking. This seems a bit much. But this is everything with the left is political. They will wring out the worst tragedies. Remember, after 9-11, Pelosi started the committee. It wasn't about finding the truth. It was about getting Bush. That's what it was about. Everybody knew it. 
Everybody knew it. The Hunter Biden stuff is just, it is, it is so over the top. He's meeting with them. They can't explain it. A profession of blowing paint through a straw. I saw a lady literally lose her shit on the five. Explain what about Yavanka and every every patent and trademark they did was prior to the president or their father becoming president. So it wasn't during their tenure. But how they were treated compared to how Hunter is. Don Jr. was also Putin's butt buddy. I'm just just saying. Uh, what the fuck is this? I can't even read it. Oh, the gun control. I'm not going to cover it. That guy is so fucking wrong. So here's PolitiFact, which is another reason that people get pissed off. And in our intro, House Speaker, um, President Biden says he wants to ban handguns. House Republicans will never allow this to happen. Second Amendment is right. House GOP said Joe Biden wants to ban handguns. He doesn't. He wants to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Neither would touch the most popular handguns. Ted Cruz, PolitiFact, PolitiFact are partisan liars. Biden simply said about 9mm pistols that can fire large-capacity magazines and continue to push to eliminate the sales of those things. How GOP was right when it said Biden wanted to ban handguns. PolitiFact, dishonesty added all. Seriously, your own article just disproved your fact check from the article. Joe said, capitalized letter, whether it's a 9mm pistol or whether it's a rifle, it's ridiculous. I'm continuing to push to eliminate the sale of those things. This is actually wrong and you should delete it because, holy shit, did you not hear what he said? Are you not worried? Are you, are you so ignorant about guns you don't know what anything means? They don't even deny that he wants to ban 9mm handguns with high-capacity magazines. But when they somehow rate the claim false anyway, all of the most popular handgun models come standard with anti-gun activists defined as high-capacity magazines. This is real disinformation. It is also a total lack of listening comprehension. Let's look at the actual sentence said. The idea you need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots from that weapon, whether it's a 9mm pistol or whether it's a rifle, is ridiculous. I'm continuing to push to eliminate the sale of those things. Biden isn't talking about a magazine. Biden didn't say the idea you need a magazine. He said the fucking weapon. Here it is. Um, so gun violence has been on the rise across the country. And as a recent student and young professional living in Over the Rhine, I've seen this firsthand. Um, gun violence has taken the lives of so many young students and young people. I'm tired and I want to see change. It's going to make our cities like Cincinnati safer. So how will you address gun violence from a federal point of view to actually bring about change and make our local cities safer? Now, I'm not being a wise guy. There's no reason you should. Have you seen my gun violence legislation I've introduced? As you know, because you're so involved, actually crime is down. Gun violence and murder rates are up. Guns. I'm the only guy that ever got passed legislation when I was a senator to make sure we eliminated assault weapons. The idea you need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots from that weapon, whether it's a, whether it's a 9 millimeter 
pistol or whether it's a rifle is ridiculous. I'm continuing to push to eliminate the sale of those things, but unedited. They're hacks. They're just hacks. They've always been hacks. Zero coverage about the misery index. SE Cup, which is out of order. Just sad for folks who think selling out means sticking by your guns when the rest of the party changes everything they ever believed in just to support one guy who lost it all for them and is leading them in a wasteland of conspiracies and oblivion. You didn't sell out because you stuck by your gun. You didn't even sell out by hating Trump. You sold out by rejecting everything conservatives stand for, and you joined CNN. Which guns did you stick to, though? One could argue that pre-Trump you were a leading young conservative voice, but after Trump, you threw the conservative baby out with the bathwater and denounced the entire philosophy because some folks went all in on Trump. You were a libertarian for clicks until the CNN money rolled in. No one thinks that. When they talk about selling out, they were actually talking about people like you. And I, I cover this because this is the kind of stuff that I don't understand from people that used to be journalists or sorry i'm i'm t- i'm opening up new stuff simultaneously used to be fucking conservatives you were the bill crystals all these people and i i go back to what i said when i did many shows on this after january 6th you can tell the difference between the people who hated Trump and were conservative, and those like me. I criticized what I didn't like about him. I didn't give up everything I ever thought or felt about conservative stuff. I mean, I'm not GOP, but guns, border, crime, spending too much money so my grandkids have a tax rate that's just insanely over the top, won't be able to pay for it. Um, Yeah, I mean, these things, these are what conservatives are, but that exposure of being around people that hated Trump and reading the articles that, uh, man, come on. Come on, you got to be better than this. You you gotta be better than this. You you really do. I I just I, I wow, wow. Let's do a media hit. Senator Schumer, um, you are well known for your support of your Jewish supporters and of Israel. You even tell your Jewish supporters that your last name Schumer comes from the Hebrew term Shomer or guard and that you will be a guard for Israel. But recently you were largely silent during the recent escalation with Hamas. And I actually interviewed Joseph Borgen, who was the Jewish man who was beaten in Times Square in May for wearing a yarmulke. He said that he was disappointed that he did not hear from you directly after his attack as a hate crime. Do you understand mm-hmm. critics that think that you were too silent uh, during yeah, the last that's, attack? That's not really, that's not true. Um, immediately after the attack, I, adjo- I joined the bipartisan resolution by Senators Murphy and Young. I supported it, or the statement that said we need a ceasefire immediately. That was very strong. The administration tries to steer allies and like-minded countries towards the same direction. It's a different kind of political method. 
Those last comments from the Japanese Prime Minister about President Trump reminded us of something Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez said in our show earlier this week about the differences between the Biden administration and the former guy. I think that uh, when, when President Biden says America is back, I think it's good news not only for you, but also for, for, for the world. And unfortunately, the situation that we had before with the previous, uh, previous uh, administration, the U.S. administration, the Trump administration was, you know, I would say uh, very difficult to understand. You know, to see, to see a president uh, of the U.S. Uh, saying that European Union is a, a kind of an enemy um, against the, the U.S. interests, I think it was a complete mistake. Jonathan Lemire, he was answering your question, uh, your take. I mean, President Biden is really, he's working to sort of reassert, reclaim America's position in terms of its credibility around the world and these leaders validating that there was an aberration, to say the least, for four years. Democratic senators putting the FBI on blast today, a group of them releasing new details about the agency's investigation into Brett Kavanaugh when he was a Supreme Court nominee. The Bureau acknowledging they received more than 4,500 tips in its supplemental investigation, but conducted just 10 interviews. He's not getting pulled off the court, right? This right, is right. something that Democrats want to know about. Um, I think just, just in the interest of, it seems, as they've been saying, preventing something like this from happening again. That's kind of the significance of this, right? Right, right. Both that and also what were these allegations against Brett Kavanaugh? Some of them have been released through Freedom of Information, but heavily redacted. So are they sitting now in the Biden administration's White House counsel office? Are there copies at the FBI? The senators want to know and they would like to get the full copies of all those allegations. And they may want to investigate some of them themselves. Not that it's going to lead to Kavanaugh's removal from office, but these senators feel like they were not given the full story. After all, it's the Senate's job to advise and consent on these Supreme Court nominations, and they didn't get the information that they wanted out of this. There was there were allegations floating around out there uh, that were not fully investigated by the FBI, and the Senate is now in a position of wondering whether there should be procedures changed so that this never happens again, so that a real investigation is conducted. The FBI wrote a sure. letter recently to you and to Senator Whitehouse acknowledging that the more than 4,000 tips they got during the Brett Kavanaugh nomination process, they were just transferred over to the White House. You were a key player in uh, his nomination. You and Jeff Flake, the Republican, you delayed the committee hearing for a week. Uh, in Is there going to be ice cream in Cincinnati? Graders ice cream? Yeah, raspberry chip. I don't, I don't think so, but we'll have to, I don't know. <laughs> now I really want. I'm sure he, he's aware of it. <laughs> White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, they're talking about an agreement reached with an art gallery. And this comes as first son Hunter Biden is expected to meet with potential buyers, raising ethical questions about possible influence peddling. Walter Schaub is with us now. He is a senior fellow at the Project on Government Oversight who led the Office of Government Ethics under former President Barack Obama from 2013 to 2017. And you say, Walter, that the White House is outsourcing government ethics to an art dealer. Why? They've put an art dealer in charge of keeping a secret. And really what he's doing is keeping a secret from the public because eventually the Hunter Biden or people in the White House will learn who it's going to be. In fact, Hunter Biden, we now know, is going to be at two art showings where he will meet the universe of bidders on his art. So they left that detail out when they told us he had no way of knowing who was buying his art. 
Now, obviously, the adult children of presidents have jobs, they have lives, they may even have hobbies. But art, you say, is actually sort of different because of the nature of it being priced somewhat capriciously and that it is can be at a very high end used to actually launder money and other things. Explain how art is different and what the right way to do this might have been. So there's no intrinsic value to the art. It's whatever anybody says they want to pay for it. Mm -hmm. The problem is they're buying it from the president's son at prices that you would never see for a first-time art sale. There's a local artist collective in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., where if you go, really well-established artists who've been doing this for years and have quite a following are selling for two to $5,000. And he's not even at that level because this is his first sale. So it really doesn't matter whether anyone likes his art or not. The question is, can you find anyone other than a president's son who showed up on the scene and started selling for the cost of a house and a half? Because $295,000 was the price of the average home sale last year, and he's selling for up to five hundred. dollars So should we know, then, who the buyer is? Should the American public know, and what kind of assurances does the White House need to give? So ideally, Hunter Biden wouldn't be doing this because it sure looks like profiting off the presidency. But if they couldn't talk him out of doing it, there is something that's within their control. They could promise us today that if they happen to learn who any of the buyers are, they will notify us immediately and they will tell us again if any of those buyers get a meeting with the White House or any other political appointee. Or I guess Hunter Biden could do this under an, a pen name and his uh, real value to be established by the market, not his name. I have a feeling if he did it under a pen name, he wouldn't get much for it. Schools first. Now that the education department admits they made a mistake in their guide for reopening. By How so? Well, uh, they included advice from the abolitionist teaching network. Uh, and they came out and said that was not supposed to be in there. Uh, is the administration going to follow up with school districts to make sure that the abolitionist teaching network uh, material is not in lesson plans? Well, just to be clear for the context, because I know you love context of yeah. what you're yeah. asking about here, what you're referring to is a citation in a report of which there were a thousand citations. So I'm quite impressed with your researchers to, for finding one of a thousand citations. You know what happened if a press secretary talked to somebody like that? That's that's attacking the press. Freedom of speech. We have Schumer lion. Everything. America sucks. Uh, is there going to be ice cream and actual CNN did journalism with the ex Obama guy saying, yeah, the paint's fucked up. And then of course that, because that my friends is some fucking crazy ass shit. Now understand they, that, that wasn't, they're, they're trying to walk it back, but once again, I, I, ice cream is more important than Biden referencing a group like this. Always had a blueprint uh, of how to do this. Um, I think when we speak, sometimes people ignore us. They're like, oh, I think folks just need to listen to us when we speak and understand the gems and the magic of the fact that every single day um, we wake up and we're alive when the whole world has tried to kill us. I think of Lucille Clifton and that poem that she writes about like every day the world tried to kill me and I'm still here. And every time I see another black woman, I know that's her experience and we can relate, we can relate to that. 
Uh, so um, I think we just have been doing it since day one, and it's time for us to pay, it's time for us to let let black queer folks lead, yeah. let, let black women lead. Just get out the way. And I just want to say something about your question, Goldie, just to go back a little bit about the question of what can I do with my white privilege? I know there's a lot of white folks here. The question in and of itself is offensive because it means that you want to keep your white privilege. There's a power that you don't want to give up by asking that question. You're just saying you stay down where you are. There's what is seeped in that question is a white superiority and black inferiority. I don't want your privilege. I'm, I just want to be human. I don't need you to, I need you to get out the way. I need you to give up power. I need you to do all those things because don't come in this way and make me passive like you're my savior because that's that white, white savior complex that we stay like, you know, we stay there. So anyway, I'm going to put myself on mute because my neighbors downstairs with really loud music. So y'all don't hear that? No? Okay, good. All right. But anyway, so black, black, let, 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 let black women leave. Just, just let us do it. And women, and when I say women, I mean like all expansive with the why. Uh, you know, for me, I, I would just say that before Kimberly Crenshaw gave us language for intersectionality, black queer folks knew what that was, right? We knew what it was to be black, to be queer, to be a woman, to be marginalized, 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 marginalized in all these different ways. We knew what that felt like. And so we knew how to organize and fight for all those different identities that were intersecting at one time as we were trying to be human. And so I think that's why when you say like, trust black women, trust black queer women, trust how this movement is always led. If you look, I mean, if you look at Black Lives Matter, you're talking about three black queer women doing this particular type of work, Charlene Carruthers, black queer woman. And so I think when you think about the lives that we have to live as black queer women, we are always in those different positionalities, always intersecting, creating new ways in which to see the world and to see how oppressive it is. And so that's why when we lead movements, that's why when we think about freedom and justice, we are so inclusive because we know what it means to be marginalized in so many places. Mm. And so we never want that for anybody else. And so that's why when we say trust black women and see black queer women for what we how we lead is because we're leading because we have been marginalized in so many different ways. So you gotta see how, how, how that world and that worldview allows us to see the world for how it is on so many different levels on a gender level, on a race level, on a class level, on a sexist level, on all of those levels, we get to see the world. So when we lead, when we create movements, we're being as inclusive as possible because we see the world in all those lenses. Uh, which is typically embedded in skills. Ask yourself, like, how can this unit plan help my students to learn something about themselves or others? Just by asking that question, you're making the unit better. Right. Ask yourself, how does this unit plan um, make my students become smarter about something outside of equations, citing textual evidence outside of the skills? Right. What new people, places, things am I teaching? What kind of um, histories am I unearthing that they may not have learned about ever? Um, and then the last question, how would this unit plan advance my students thinking about equity, power and anti-oppression? If you're just teaching within this model, that's already doing abolition 
abolitionist work. The model came from abolitionists. It is a more advanced model, so that's something that you can do. If you're a school leader, you can change the interview questions you ask new teachers. You can change your mission statement. Is your mission statement just grounded in skills as achievement, or is it also grounded in identity, intellectualism, and criticality? And then you can also collect the data you want to collect. It does not have to be the state mandated test. If you want to know how much your students have advanced in their identity development, then assess it. If you value it, assess it. Collect the data. You tell your own narrative. Do not wait for the administrators or anyone to tell you what your story is for the school. So that's my uh, two cents on what you can do now. Wow. That's two cents? <laughs> you know, a, a dime and a nickel, maybe. <laughs> okay, uh, another another uh, listener or viewer asks, what role do you think teacher unions could play in the overall project of abolition? And the, the uh, person also adds, uh, thanks for the work you're doing. I'm all fired up. Okay. Um... <laughs> So I, it, it's, it's funny because I think teacher unions are at a crossroads right now. So we be thinking about what they, could, what they have done to perpetuate white supremacy at teacher unions and what they can now do with the power that they have. And so I think teacher unions have to be thinking about the ways in which they can leverage the power that they have to change curriculum, to change policies. They have that power. Teacher unions have the power to structure the day and what happens in the day. And so if you want to see this type of curriculum, if you want to see black teachers hired, if you want to see all of that done, teacher unions have a huge hand to play in that. I think another, teacher, another thing unions can do is to say, listen, in order to be anti-racist, in order for teachers to do that anti-racist work, this is about healing. So we want therapists for teachers. We want free therapists for teachers. So often they make us feel like that we are begging. We're not begging. We actually built this country for free. And we also are taxpayers and we want to see what our money is doing for us. So we also have to make sure that we understand the value and the power that we have as citizens. Yes. Sometimes they make us think that we don't have any power to ask and to demand what's rightfully ours. So yes, we can do both. We can shut down these schools until they're right and create our own schools. We can be critical and build at the exact same time, but remembering this is our stuff. So I always, tell, I always say this, two things. If you're a teacher and you won't send your kids to that school, but you use that money to, t to have your kids go off and do something else, that's the problem. Yeah. You will spend, you will use the money from the black community that we pay, but you will not send your kids to our schools. Yeah. That's gonna be, we have to get back saying that this is our money. We wanna see our schools funded like this because this is our money. Yes. I think we have time to squeeze in one more question here before we're, we're running out of time. This is an amazing conversation. Um, so I see there's a question that says, based on the people that we're citing here, Angela Davis, Ruth Wilson, Gilmore, and others, that a lot of their work is inseparable from anti-capitalism. Is abolitionist teaching anti-capitalist by nature? Abolition is anti-capitalist by nature. 
You know, we know right now that capitalism is the structure that we are under. And so we're going to use this structure to our best ability. But what we also know is that capitalism will not free us. Now, that's an hour and 34 minutes. But she, being the lady that I got most of, just her latest, how we apply it to everything, says she wants to destroy scrolls. Because we're all racist trash. Just racist trash. That's how they are. They believe the country's garbage. So, of course, they linked it. It wasn't an accident. Get the fuck out of here. It's not an accident. You wanted it linked. The disruptive whiteness. And they say it's an error, but that shit, that, that's already out. Schools are already using it. Educator, educator anti-racism book club and discussion series. Their website, you can go to sites.google.com backslash view backslash abolitionist teaching book club backslash home. Google supports this. They hate America. They hate white people. They hate everything. Before I play some of the town hall, because I played some up front. She's a liberal. She was a Hillary cultist. I'm going to bring this out across my face. Knowing how they treated... I can't even get my head in there or not. Here we go. Yeah, let's try that. Knowing how they treated Romney. I'm not even going to say Trump. Romney. Do you think they would show that? I mean, you watch the CNN coverage. You never saw the back of the room. Ever. Somebody shared this. That's Trump's last. He, he just did one. Do you think we'd even talk about this? Do you think anybody would talk about it? Sparse coverage on the WAPO New York Times CNN ads tells you this didn't go well. They didn't, they didn't cover it. Why would they? Most votes ever. You wonder why people question this whole election. All you had to do is look at every fucking rally. Nobody showed up for Biden. Nobody. Nobody showed up. Trump had hundreds of thousands of people show the fuck up. He did one yesterday that literally, my God in heaven, it was a mile long. A mile long. And then we get to the the numbers, which I'm trying to get to. Mediate, all right, Mediate had to say, CNN Biden town hall bombs, loses to Fox News and even MSDNC. They're not going to let me use it because they know what I'm doing. I'll use this one. Because um, I had a Mediate one. They won't even let me touch it right now. The CNN Biden Town Hall, moderated by Don Lemon, averaged only 1.5 million viewers from 8 to 9.30, while Fox News averaged 2.7, MSDNC averaged 1.6. 306,000 people watched it. 306,000. 
Here are just some of the contents that came from it. President Biden has said not a joke at least seven times over the past 30 minutes. Not a joke, literally. Possible drinking game for those unlike me aren't working. Every time President Biden says, all kidding aside, I'm not joking, I'm being serious, I'm not being facetious. Crushing it. I didn't do Donald Trump. I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled this guy is in charge of free will. We should all sleep sound at night. Um, is there really anyone willing to step forward with a straight face and say there's nothing wrong here? Is this for real? And the media will continue to fawn over it. That's the worst part about it. They will fawn and say everything's okay. When he tells restaurant wor- workers... Just suck it the fuck up. Compete with Amazon. Yeah, that's normal. That's what a president says. The Build Back Better, Unite It. This went on for a few minutes. The buying continue to trash restaurant industry as a place where fewer and fewer people want to work because they aren't paid enough. Telling John Leoni that he better start paying employees at least 15 an hour. The look on the guy's face, says the person who pays his employees with our tax dollars. Biden literally has no idea even about basic economics. That's my best thing. If I could sum up this podcast, these people have never worked. You can tell they never worked. They don't know what things cost. They, 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 they don't know anything. They just don't know. Democrats have zero idea what it takes to run a business. They just have no clue because they never had to. I mean, he just went on to everything he said. That's not how inflation works. He just gets to make up, just make up stuff. And I don't understand how and why why we're there. Check on QAnon forum after Biden mentioned town hall, uh, CNN town hall. Discussions there is turning on how the person on the stage isn't really buying. Are you okay? So CNN is following QAnon. Not surprising. My favorite's Drew Holden. Look at the difference in this. Someone crazy uncle can retweet whatever. In the CNN town on bottle attack on COVID-19. Da-da-da-da. It was a packed house. It was just all lies. It was just all lies. This, nothing I'm about to play is normal. I am dismayed at how often democratic plans for stabilizing the economy or shoring up new strains of the virus are held hostage by the utopian need to gain bipartisan support. It appears at every turn the democratic plan is weakened and still secures zero Republican votes. Sometimes the opposition is just wrong and working to get them to agree with you is fruitless. Why is the strategy to abandon the need for bipartisanship not the right answer? Regarding the GOP's efforts to restrict voting rights, uh, you said those efforts were, quote, the most dangerous threat to voting and the integrity of free and fair elections in our history, end quote. While you have condemned these attacks, you and congressional members of your party have done little to actually stop these assaults. If these efforts are really the most dangerous in our history, Isn't it logical to get rid of the filibuster so we can protect our democracy and secure the right to vote? Here's the thing for me. You talked about people, and this is important for people who look like me. My grandmother would sit around when I was a kid, fifth grade, had a fifth grade education. I learned that she couldn't read when when I was doing my homework. She would tell me stories about people asking her to count the number of jelly beans in the jar, the soap. 
So why is protecting the filibuster, is that more important no, than protecting no. voting rights, no. especially for people who fought and died for that? You agree with the former president. He is called, your, your, as you call him, your old boss, that it is a relic of Jim Crow. It is. If it's a relic of Jim Crow, it's been used to fight against civil rights legislation historically. Why protect it? You've been very open about your son Hunter's problems with addiction. This is personal for you. Listen, I've dealt with it in, in my own family. Every family deals with it. But this is personal for you. Yes. And I'm so damn proud of my son. My son just wrote a book about how he overcame being addicted. What do you say to dreamers who are really worried about their futures here in the United States? You've been the big guy for six months now in the White House. Can you take us behind the scenes, something that was extraordinary? Or That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. Yeah. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is in fact, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway too. I expect that to occur quickly. Well, that means, you mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah. You seem pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said, if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Because we're going to be providing good opportunities and jobs for people who, in fact, are going to be reinvesting that money back in all the things we're talking about. Driving down prices, not raising prices. And so it, it is, I, 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 I sincerely mean this. Prices are up now, and they're up in, for example, you're in a position where you're trying to build a house, try to find two-by-fours and lumber. Well, guess what? People stop working cutting lumber. They stopped doing it because they, their, their, their unemployment was so down. Now all of a sudden there's this need because people are coming back. And guess what? Instead of paying 10 cents, you're paying 20. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It relates to what, in fact, is now needed because we're growing. That's how we covered everything, Trump. Now they're just sycophants. They're part of the team. It is amazing that anybody believes that we have a fucking media. Here is NPR going after Daily Caller. Uh, they tend to not provide very much context for the information they're providing, said Jamie Settle, the director of social networks and political psychology lab. If you strip it through context away, any piece of truth can become a piece of misinformation. Publicity, the site does not purport to be a traditional news source on its page. The site declares Daily Wire does not claim to be without bias. We're opinionated, we're noisy. It's not clear the millions of people engaging with the site news story every month recognize that. Bullshit! This piece is a masterclass on how the establishment media, in this case publicly funded, seek to label everything they don't like misinformation and then suppress it. They're covering the freedom of press and they're not hiding the ball. According to NPR, Facebook should presumably suppress us because we're overly conservative, not because of misinformation, because we are conservative. We make no bones about this. Here's my favorite part. 
uh, where NPR quotes an expert who openly conflates stories I don't like with misinformation in which NPR acknowledges that we're open about our biases but still somehow misleading people. This is totally untenable and frankly absurd misinformation standard. And it is. It, it is. It is what they are. I, I, I just, I, it doesn't surprise me anymore. It just doesn't surprise me. The rise of alternative media outlets is presented as frightening, unsolvable Scooby-Doo mystery. It's not. NPR just sucks and is unlistenable. Some people are going elsewhere. They just are. It's garbage. But as that little person down in Florida says, DeSantis is foe. This is the rest of the media. Look at that. New York Times front still in Texas size freakout mode. Can, can Texas get further right? WAPO, the fact checker at WAPO once again. Op-ed page pulls no punches with biting and funny ex- exhibition of Hunter Biden's art fair. Oh, brah. Y'all made some jokes about Hunter Biden's art instead of doing some suppress- suppressing actual journalistic investigations into Hunter's corruption. I thought it was Russian disinformation that you guys couldn't report on before Election Day. It would be even more funny if WAPO didn't call these same suggestions Russian disinformation. Miranda Devine sums it up really good. Let me just get to hers. This is a ruse I hadn't anticipated. Laundering Biden family wrongdoing through humor. Though hats off to Megan Kruger. Truth, though, satire smuggled into WAPO. But the American people see it. More ratings. Jesus fucking Christ. WAPO is just down 27.5%. Look look at these numbers. 20, 16, 27, 31, 38. Where's the New York Times? 34 fucking percent. They needed Trump. They're right off by and it's so true. Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin demands corporate America commit to being woke. That's that's what we do. That's what all this is about. Be woke. And she's a conservative. Then you find the guy that couldn't work at Fox. He's having a hell of a time. He can't get any ratings. He's doing a Bill O'Reilly on everybody. And then we just have the blatant. This is just blatant shit. This is unfucking believable But they don't care because... They just don't care. Reuters is officially advertising AOC's online store today. They have tweeted this breaking news nine times. This is the ninth tweet today. Reuters has put out her shit. Branding the U.S. left. AOC makes a push into political merchandise. Why is AEI hosting the New York Times and Atlantic to tell us how to do pro- produce honest journalism? Neither one of them do it. Big story this week, instead of talking about corruption in the Biden administration, the border, 
how civil liberties have been tossed out for all the people that trespassed and they're jiggering fucking uh, charges, try to make a terrorism. No, we did uh, sex toys. Yeah. And then you have this. Oh, and I found it is a brave new world when it comes to what we're going to be filling our bellies with going forward right now. Of course, this starts with the, with the idea that there are about 1.4 billion cows on the planet now. And if you put them all together, they will be third behind the United States and China as the biggest emitter of planet cooking pollution. And so there is this booming new movement for alternative protein, not just at Impossible, where they use plant-based stuff. There are lab companies where they're going to take cells, a few cells from a cow or a chicken, and grow that meat in labs. There's a new company that we're going to profile where they found a new form of protein in the geyser water at Yellowstone uh, National Park. Uh, but Pat Brown, who is the head of Impossible, really set out to disrupt big meat in typical Silicon Valley fashion. He was a Stanford uh, medical school professor who looked at the amount of uh, pollution, air pollution, water, the deforestation that comes with all of us trying to have steak for <laughs> lunch and dinner, and said the only way we're going to break this cycle and, and, and pretty much not eat ourselves out of our planet is to come up with something that is just as tasty, uh, just as juicy, and just uh, the same price, or even cheaper now. Mm -hmm. And I think we're sort of on the cusp of that. And, but that, of course, is, has a real ramifications for ranchers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. farmers. So we look at kind of the whole system tonight to see all the waste that's in there and these insanely crazy new ideas that may just uh, help fix this. Yeah, Impossible Burgers are very, very good. I can attest to that. Before I let you go, I don't want to give away the ending of your special, but generally speaking, is swearing off meat completely? Is that the big solution here? Well, I think some people would say yes. Those who are very sort of serious about veganism for different reasons would say yes. I think I've met a lot of other people who believe there is sustainable ranching that can happen, but it can't happen the way uh, we're doing it right now. And others suggest, you know, uh, maybe you don't want to have sausage for breakfast and a chicken Caesar for lunch and a T-bone for dinner seven days a week. And even sort of transitioning out of that would be healthier both for you and the planet. Yeah, this is real. Journalists offered oral sex to Bill Clinton to keep abortion legal. In the Me Too era that we live in, there are certain journalists who had a lot of explaining and reflecting to do. Near the top of the list, Bill Clinton era reporters who have made cringeworthy comments excusing the president. It was 23 years ago when Times contributor Nina Baring told the Washington Post writer Howard Kurtz, I'd be happy to give Clinton a blowjob just to thank him for keeping abortion legal. If you weren't only disgusted, there's more. I think American women would be lining up with their presidential knee pads on to show their gratitude for keeping the theocracy off their back. Let me blow this up so you can read it if you'd like to because it's pretty gross. The president foot lightly and presumably accidentally brushed mine once under the table. His hand touched my wrist while we were dealing the cards. When I got up and shook his hand at the end of the game, his eyes wandered over to my bike-wrenched naked legs, and slowly it dawned on me as I walked away. He found me attractive. No doubt the president's lawyer, spin doctors, would say I wishfully imagined that long, appreciative look, just as all these other women have fantasized their more explicitly sexualized encounters of Clinton. But we all know when we're getting ogled, the weird thing is, I didn't mind. Because he's a Democrat.
Then there's Brian Seltzer. This is a real ad for a real show on Fox Nation, canceled in the USA. Somebody said, this is a real tweet from a real ad on Brian Seltzer Twitter account. You're going to be okay, buddy? (laughs) You petty little man. Do you work for Fox? All you talk about is the programs. Good morning, Brian. This is what's happening outside your security bubble. Idea, a Seltzer, a Bongdinga show called Tater Salad. (laughs) And then somebody, of course, put Avanti, which is so good. So we're going to do a little woke section. Um, I'm going to save it for Wednesday's show. But this, this, this disturbed me. Welcome to Radical Cram School. We're going to learn about social justice, revolution, and how to be powerful in the bodies that you have. Macho, macho, punch, punch, tough guy. That's so passe. That's not my future. Macho, macho, grab, grab. Oh, you're annoyed. That's so toxic. I'm a feminist boy. Watch me be a man who has all the feels. I can laugh, cry, sing, and still keep it real. I don't have to be tough just to get respect. I know words, not this solve arguments. Watch me be a man who doesn't only wear blue. Why can't pink and purple be boy colors too? I feel bad for macho men who won't wear sparkles. Those old color codes are so patriarchal. Macho, macho, punch, punch, tough guy, girl. That is so passe. That is not my future. Macho, macho, grab, grab. Oh, you're annoyed. That's so toxic. I'm a feminist boy. Watch me be an Asian man who plays leading roles. Cause it's not just writers who can be heroes. We've got more than Jackie Chan, we've got more than Disney. Watch out, Hollywood. Here's life starring me. Watch me be a baller like Jeremy Lin. I got game, no need to be as tall as him. Don't need to be big just to be a winner. Don't need to be a girl to help cook dinner. Give it up for the feminist boy. He knows that we aren't playing coy. We don't want to be safe. We are already brave. Cause girls who make history are really well behaved. Watch me be a man who asks for consent. I stand up to bullies who disrespect If you need to be heard, I'm a good listener I love my mom, I'm an ally to my sisters Give it up for the feminist boy I'm a feminist, feminist boy The next generation is fucked, somebody says. 
This is quite possibly the worst video ever. My son will be beating these kids up. Bullying works. It should come as no surprise that this video is part of a self-professed radical group composed entirely of women. These kids are going to get their asses kicked. I'm truly embarrassed I watched this. It's on Facebook. It is promoted. It is promoted on Facebook. That's good. Brainwashing kids to be betas so they lose their whole life. I mean, it wasn't enough just handing out trophies for everybody. Now it's, I must be feels. What? What? And then you have this, CNN ponders swearing off meat completely. MSDNC's in on this one, too, because this climate shit, they, they never stop. But I remember seeing reports about flash flooding happening there in New York City. So we're, we're seeing flash flooding. We're seeing, um, we're seeing the wildfires that are burning out in the West, but they're having an impact here by clouding up our skies and smogging up our air. We have to get a handle on this. Otherwise, um, we're all going to be looking for seats on the Branson, the Branson rocket, the Bezos rocket, the Musk rocket, uh, for another place that's habitable for human life. And John, you know, Republicans really were the leaders on climate. It was Richard Nixon who brought in William Ruckelshaus yeah. and Russell Train and all these great leaders from the 70s. They created the EPA. So how it got to be so partisan, uh, particularly in the last four years? Well, it's the, the role of the economics, uh, largely, and then the economic motives uh, on the part of uh, the carbon-based industries. Uh, as, as with so many other things, we're, you're talking about it in terms of election uh, lies and, and almost everything else. An economic motive created the conditions for a cultural reaction. And I think that explains, helps explain uh, why there's so much uh, denial. Uh, you see it with the vaccines, right? I mean, you, <clears throat> science addresses a problem. They come up with a solution. And a large chunk of the population chooses not to accept that science or that solution. And the, the, I think that the partisan frame uh, again, if, if anybody's around to write about this and talk about it, uh, which might not, they might not be, but if they are, think of how picayune, think of how petty it will seem that it was about the control of the U.S. House for a two-year period at some point, or a state legislature. And I just think that this is a moral crisis. I think the more, if, if I were in power, I would try to find 10. Oh, and I found it is a brave new world when it comes to what we're going to be filling our bellies with going forward right now. Of course, this starts with the, with the idea that there are about 1.4 billion cows on the planet now. And if you put them all together, they will be third behind the United States and China as the biggest emitter of planet cooking pollution. And so there is this booming new movement for alternative protein, not just at Impossible, where they use plant-based stuff. There are lab companies where they're going to take cells, a few cells from a cow or a chicken, and grow that meat in labs. There's a new company that we're going to profile where they found a new form of protein in the geyser water at Yellowstone uh, National Park. Uh, but Pat Brown, who is the head of Impossible, really set out to disrupt big meat in typical Silicon Valley. 
Valley fashion. He was a Stanford uh, medical school professor who looked at the amount of uh, pollution, air pollution, water, the deforestation that comes with all of us trying to have steak for <laughs> lunch and dinner. But remember, it's just a conspiracy theory. They're not going to try to make you not eat meat. That's just something the right came up with. California has been pushing the world towards electric cars for decades, but more electric cars means more lithium-powered batteries. Creating enough of them could be causing its own environmental crisis. I thought the batteries for cars were grown on organic, carbon-neutral battery orchard co-ops. <laughs> and then finally, scientists have found viruses nearly 15,000 years old in two ice samples taken from Tibetan Plateau in China. Most of these viruses, which survive because they have remained frozen, are unlikely, unlike any virus that have ever been cataloged. What could go wrong? So that is climate porn interacts with COVID porn. And oh my God, you know there's some scared people to some lighter fare. Hey, Mike Baxter for Outdoor Man. I want to talk to you today about an epidemic sweeping this country. And I don't mean the One Direction infection. <laughs> really, calling you dads is way too generous. You came to the party, but didn't stick around to clean up the mess. Fatherless homes are more likely to drop out of school, use drugs, and not send you an ugly tie on Father's Day. <laughs> Shaven correctly, giving a firm handshake. And the most important lesson, showing the hell up. Running out on your son is a slap in the face to all men, especially men who never had a chance to raise one. Curious, six of our last eight presidents only had daughters. Did I mention that I have three daughters? <laughs> one more than Obama. But you absentee... Found outdoor man for the deadbeat dad day. Show us the court order you're in violation of, and we'll give you 15% off and a kick it free. <laughs> Buy a fishing pole, take him fishing. Buy him a tent, take him camping. Buy a boat because, damn it, we need to sell some boats. <laughs> Maybe one day your son will invite you to his high school graduation. You might have to wear an ugly tie. Hey, Mike Bax here for Outdoor Man. It's fall, which means football season, yes. In fantasy football season, no, God, no, come on. In Plato's allegory of the cave, the prisoners stare at the shadows on the wall and say, that's reality. The prisoners of fantasy football stare at their phones watching their imaginary team and say, why don't I have a girlfriend? It's getting harder and harder to find a, a guy at work you can talk to important stuff about, you know, like, like cars. We used to argue about Mustang versus Camaro. Now it's Marshawn versus Camara. You see a coworker with his head in his hands and asks, what's wrong? He says, I forgot to rent a kicker. <laughs> Plato challenged us to step outside the cave. A word of warning for some of you being outdoors is going to be weird, but at least it's going to be real. Unlike that fairy tale football team. Where do I get a kicker?
this my last man standing vlog. So, what did we learn today? The left really isn't serious about anything. To sit and run that article that I didn't comment on on purpose with the world leaders respect us when you got a guy who can't finish a sentence, get out of here. And then the attacking of people by, by Psaki and the crazy comments he said, the shooting in, New, in Washington, D.C. and nobody covering the police chief that I did in the intro, the total ignoring of mass in fucking immigrants coming through the southern border who are not getting tested for COVID, but you got to go back in a mask because you're a bigot. And Lena Wynn nicely saying right there, the honor system isn't working because we don't believe you're trustworthy because all you people in the middle of the country are bigots who voted for Trump overwhelmingly. So you got to be a Nazi. And then the FBI faking everything for the right, but not the left. The Whitmer plot. Nothing is coming out of the Capitol. It's worth the shit. But Pelosi's going to run it on and uh, Cheney's going to save America because they're just going to go after Trump and Republicans and say that they did it. Just like rewinding the tapes two months from now to September 11th, 2001 where we did the very same thing with the same cast of characters and a media that went along with the fact that van jones and people in the obama administration the original birthers the truthers believed that bush did it so that he could get a war in iraq and kill somebody who tried to kill his daddy it's the same thing If anything I've learned in the last five years of doing this podcast, the FBI is garbage. They don't investigate things that are blatant. We never did Fast and Furious. We never went after any of that stuff. The IRS could fucking use political partisanship against people. Nobody cared. But we'll spend three years investigating a fake dossier made up by the Democrats, known to be made up by the Democrats, falsely allowed to get a FISA warrant to wiretap a fucking opponent that produces nothing. We'll impeach a president over a phone call that literally was grounded in fact, but we've yet to investigate the laptop that he's had for three years. Do you think that a Republican laptop ended up with the fucking FBI? We'd have an event. Oh, yeah, 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 we would. And we're spending all this time on a riot gone bad when we had a whole summer of riots. And oh, by the way, hello, they're still rioting in Portland. We don't have in some in- undercover informants going after that shit. We spent all this time saying Trump was a piece of shit and he couldn't be trusted and now being led by people who do things every day that make us not Trump trust institutions. If they do a national mass mandate, my friends, it's not going to go over well. I'm just telling you, it's defeating the whole purpose of getting the vaccine. And I don't care, once again, that you're concerned about people that are unmasked or we don't know if we can spread it to people and all this bullshit. I got the vaccine so I wouldn't have to wear a mask. 
I got the vaccine, so then any other subsequent variant would keep me from getting death. But if you step back and just look at it, it's clearly obvious January 6th didn't work. So they're doing the dual avenues of keeping it in the news with some kind of kabuki theater, another leftist fucking investigation that once again, when you do it for Benghazi and things like that, it's all partisan and the Chuck Todds lose their shit and have a whole meltdown over it. And we're going to simultaneously go back to COVID panic so that in 2022, they can do another 80 laws and go around the Republican laws that said you can't do that anymore. You got to have some structure to our elections. And they'll say, well, it's COVID. It's very it's the Zulu variant by then. And it's killing people and you don't care. But then they don't care that states sent grandmas back to old folks home and killed everybody. We're not even investigating it. The DOJ just dropped it. As an independent in the middle of this, I can say both parties suck asshole on their partisan. That's what they are. But I never thought in my life I'd say every federal institution is fucking partisan. And it appears they're all woke because they're giving CRT classes to everybody and saying white supremacy in buildings are racist. It's hard to trust any of these people anymore. As I was saying to my mom, who's scared again, because she's in Oregon and the news is always talking about the Zulu variant or new variant of COVID. We need to throw them all out. Every fucking elected official needs to be fucking the only coup or takeover I'd ever as an American who defended the Constitution against foreign and domestic would be for is the coup where we as American people go up there unarmed and everybody out. Everybody the fuck out. From the president to the lowlife who mops the floor. You're all fired. We're going back to what the system used to be, which is businessmen, doctors, teachers, housewives, people who know how to run jobs unlike Biden. You're going to be representatives, but you're not getting a paycheck for life. You're not getting a golden parachute medical coverage. You're just going to come up here every quarter and do the people's business and do bipartisan fucking legislation to fix abortion? When is a baby a baby? Most Americans would be fine if you said 24 fucking weeks. All right, that's the rule. No abortions after 24. Off the table. Check mark. Immigration. We can't let everybody in the world come in here if you're doing COVID porn at the same time or We can't have states just make their own fucking laws because they don't like the president. we got to have an immigration policy, and it needs to be wired out. Not all liberal that everybody who doesn't come from conservative places get to come in. Only people that will vote for us get to come in. Get rid of that shit. Get a fucking immigration plan. Seal the border and let people come in here legally as many as can come in. Most Americans go, check, we're good. We gotta have a budget. You and I gotta have a budget. We can't just spend money willy nilly. We can't all of a sudden go, hey, I spent too much, so I'm gonna raise taxes. Hey, we've been taking too much, we're gonna give it all back to you. We gotta have a system. Check. 
we got to have a defense plan that isn't, we're going to let the world do whatever the fuck they want, or we're going to toss bombs whenever we have some kind of scandal. We can't have a military that is woke. We can't have a military that's super conservative. They're supposed to be nonpartisan, General fucking Millie. Nonpartisan military members don't even know what right rage is because everybody's green. Or weird brown now. The new OCPs or whatever the fuck. That's just a weird fucking color. What else? Most Americans, whether they are liberal or conservative, just want something to happen. We're done with this. It's only the far 18%, like the three sound bites, because I went back and did editing, and that um, let's tear down everything capitalist teaching bullshit, and the far, far fucking, 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 fucking right QAnon people that are, have everybody scared that I don't know who they are. Most of us have never met anybody. It's kind of bullshit. Sorry for burping. Those people don't count. We're talking the 80% of the country, 2% far right, 18% far left, who want us to be socialist utopia where they are rich, you're poor, and we're all serfs with Green New Deal. I mean, the fact that we sit here and argue, oh, the president doesn't want to. CNN runs that article about cow farts fucking once a week, folks. MSNBC does, New York Times, WAPO. That shit's been out there forever. As they say at nauseum, that probably annoys you, CRT, the gay mafia, and climate hysterics have been on my show since 2017. It hasn't stopped. It's just now policy. And I would tell you that none of the far-right stuff you could ever dream up becomes policy. None of it does. Ever. And I think the best thing ever was the tweet by DeSantis's opponent. Most Americans would agree, and the polls show, the media is garbage. You either have Fox, which in the evening is very right, opinionated, but I don't think their news coverage is that crazy. They just cover subjects that are critical of the administration when they're Democrats, or they're super liberal. And by viewership, it's clearly obvious, New York Times, WAPO, nobody wants to read it anymore. We're done being lectured that the country is garbage. I mean, I think one of the best things that ever happened, really, for me, and I'm going to save it for Wednesday once again, uh, the Olympics. Opening ceremony takeaways at NBC Sports segment where they continually pounded a flag as a piece of cloth. Rappahone, who is a divisive figure who 50% of America hates, ends U.S. team carrying flag they all call a racist piece of shit, shouting USA like we were to forget their activisms. Fail. That is a nutshell. 
they don't fucking care that the majority of Americans look at most of those people with a negative connotation. That Megan Rapahone is not known for being a great soccer player. She's known for being an activist who hated Trump. That's why you pushed her. Three times they talked about her fiancé. It was all for effect. It was to school you that you're bad and you're evil unless you too are gay. That was their premise. That was the whole show. And then you're just supposed to forget that these people literally said America was garbage. America's racist. America is a horrible place. They literally spent all last year. When 4th of July came, there was article after article that the flag is brutal and black people see it as white supremacy or it's associated with mega. The New York Times, Mara lady. I mean, do we remember this? Do they think we forget that we don't have a memory? I mean, you can ear hole and put it in fucking the, bo- the basement folders, Google, all the searches that show the hypocrisy and the uh, just the utter outright arrogance that Biden can come up there and say and Basaki and all of them that it's mega not getting vaccines when they spent all the election cycle saying we're not taking that trump made it it's not trustworthy because trump's not trustworthy we all remember we're not stupid and once again not saying that the right doesn't flip-flop but greg gutfeld sums it up very well The only way to get the left to actually care about inner city crime is to be for inner city crime. Like literally saying, this is so great. I'm so glad Chicago has 100 shootings a weekend, which nobody would do. But that's the only way to get the left and the the media to care. Because for four years, they couldn't agree with Trump. The Wuhan lab theory shit. They couldn't say it because Trump, it would give him a win. The thing is, most of us believed that maybe they'd come out of it now. But they haven't. They'll never come out of it. Because as stated, once Hillary lost, our media was done with objectivity. Even though they weren't objective then, they were they were talking about her fucking cabinet a month before the election. We got to fix this to have a free society. You have to have a free press. And we don't. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Send comments to foppodcast.com and get all videos, audios, the whole yada yada. Disconnect from all your devices. Tune back in Wednesday. I'm going to try to shoot out a on-the-road hotel podcast. Hope it doesn't sound like total garbage. Until then, thanks for listening, my friends. 
and you take care. Thank you.